There is no better place. It's time to talk. The only way to get anything done in Cork is to get onto the Neil Prenderville. That's a Cork threat at this stage, I think. <laughs> the Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. You I just love Cork people. Conversation that matters. And the do matter the Neil Prenderville Show with Mercedes-Benz Cork. Paper-wise, this morning, um, I would go straight to the front of the mail today, to be honest with you. When I was uh, checking the newspapers, it said that 25% of six-year-olds now have a smartphone. Um, that's bizarre that six-year-olds would have a smartphone considering all the technology that's in them. Imagine if you're giving a child a phone, it's hard not to give a smartphone because it's pretty much, I mean, I guess there are alternatives to it. I'm open to you guys telling me, can you still get an old kind of a a, a, a brick-type, very basic phone? Or can you put restrictions on them or what? But a quarter of six-year-olds own their own smartphone despite major concerns over cyberbullying, online grooming and and indeed accessing pornography. Uh, Cyber Safe Kids uh, have done a poll of nearly a thousand parents uh, and it shows that uh, 24% of them uh, age six own a smartphone uh, and 52% of the parents that were surveyed said that they don't feel confident themselves about teaching their children how to stay safe online in the sense that 52% of parents said they wouldn't know how to tell their children to feel safe online. Uh, But on the inside pages of the mail then, they say that uh, parents are worried and extremely concerned about online grooming, cyberbullying, uh, accessing pornography, viewing disturbing, disturbing content about self-harm and addiction to social media. Now, as a parent of young children, I would love to hear from you guys if you can help us to navigate through this. Does your child have a smartphone? At what age did they get a phone? At what age will they get a phone? Have they phones that have restrictions? Have they phones that are monitored? You'd never know who you could be helping by sharing your own story. Text 0868104106. Now, in a sidebar in the mail, then, they say keeping your child safe online includes buying a phone without any internet. So they're obviously available, um, a phone without any internet, installing strict parental controls, uh, be wary of sinister apps. Interestingly, myself and Seamus were only driving in the car together last week and we were talking because he, he's got young kids himself. I might get him to jump in a little later on. You can put restrictions and you can put rules and regulations in place for your children. But guys, get texting on that. Text 0868104106. You, know, you remember we were chatting about it in the car the other day and we were chatting about things like that. I mean to catch you on the hop. I can come back to you. But I know you've put, you've put restrictions on, haven't you, and your own the, kids the, like in that regard. Will receive have begun already. Uh, there might oh. be some sort of surgical intervention. Um, no idea why that's uh, happening. I'm getting lots of different... I'll tell you what, I'll finish up and I'll come back to in a few minutes time because I'm getting lots of different audio there. I think that might be... um yeah. Oh, it's actually, can I just mention that? Because the audio that's bleeding through, actually, is King Charles and his diagnosis of cancer. The fact that he's beginning treatment on it. I know I'm, I know I'm jumping ahead, but um, it, it, you'd expect it. And uh, I guess, who am I to judge? I mean, the misfortune has, has cancer, and I hope he makes a full recovery. It's front of the English Times today. But also, uh, the Irish Red Tops, like the sun carries it today. He told William and he told Harry himself, his, his two sons, King Charles' cancer shock, front page of this morning's sun. Uh, another national treasure in the shape of Joe Duffy makes the front of the other red tops. He's on the front of the star. It's uh, anticipated uh, that he won't be asking for a renewal of his contract. Um, and he's set to leave RTE next year. Um, he'd be what? What would he be? Uh, 68 going on maybe on, on 69. Uh, at the moment, he's on 351,000 a year for Liveline. If he were to renew, uh, he'd be earning somewhere in the region of, of half that 
but I think that has absolutely nothing to do um, with the, the fact that he doesn't want to renew his contract. He's made it clear that he's not looking for a new one. So that's a front and inside page story making the start today. Of course, it opens the door then for the likes of uh, Joe Duffy then to talk to uh, News Talk or indeed to Today FM. But he may just want to hang up the headphones. Who knows? Papers this morning also talk about something that we know only too well. Um, and we've got the biggest county in Ireland, so we'd know more about it than any other county. And that is the rural crisis, not just rural, urban as well, of not being able to get um, a GP to look after you, your family or your children. We're two thirds now of uh, GPs cannot take on new patients. Two out of three GPs in rural Ireland are not taking on new patients and some have waiting times of up to a fortnight so you're sick, you need a prescription, you need to see your doctor you could be waiting two weeks. I mean the chaos within our health service just seems to get gradually worse. The echo this morning leads with, uh, you know the debt warehousing since COVID where an awful lot of debt was parked and rightly so for businesses who really were struggling. There was a compound interest going on that uh, by all accounts and uh, Michael McGrath the weekend announced that he is scrapping that. Uh, So some would say that that's great news. Kevin Hurley here with the CBA says there's going to be an awful lot of carnage between now and April and that uh, a lot of small Small businesses are going to close. He says that um, this um, eradication of the interest rate on the warehouse debt um, isn't good enough. It only goes a small way. He says the situation we're in at the moment, it's like boxers inside a ring with our hands tied uh, behind our backs. So it's a front page story making the uh, exact echo this morning fears for small firms certainly on Leaside. A couple of big demos up in Dublin at the weekend where there were arrests uh, this morning. And the Mirror and the Sun carry it. 11 people arrested the Gardaí placed a ring of steel around Dublin City. Said there were two demos. Now, the Sun called them rival demos this morning. One was to tackle racism, and then the other one was for the anti-immigration rally, saying, or at least the Sun deem it as being an anti-immigrant rally uh, under the, the banner of Ireland says no. So cops arrest 11, 11 uh, at uh, rival city uh, demos. Then the issue of how we're going to continue to fund Uh, Asylum seekers, refugees, international protection orders, those that are fleeing war in Ukraine. Well, one way to get around our housing issue is that Ireland could just pay 13 million euro instead of taking uh, another 648 asylum seekers every year. The government could agree to join a new EU immigration pact where we pay money instead. And I suppose that 13 million then would go to countries who actually could uh, facilitate more immigrants. Um, Do you see that bizarre story? I mean, in the last, is it just me? But in the last week, it seems to have gone up to a completely new level. The amount of scam texts that I'm getting. What I'm actually doing these days is I am taking uh, screen grabs of them just to hold on to them because they are just endless, endless, constant. Uh, And a lot of them to do with banks uh, saying my card's going to be frozen, that I haven't signed up uh, to, um, you know, new, uh, new, new privacy rules and stuff like that. And I need to respond to the text and I need to make the, but primarily it's, it's bank ones, but there's lots more to be said. But, but it seems to me, in my own life anyway, it seems to have gone up a level in the last week or so. But anyway, talk about different types of uh, carry-on that people get up to. And the guards were called, apparently, according to the mirror, there was a man above in Dublin, up in Tallinn, a park called, uh, I think it's called Tynan Park. Um, called, this guy was posing as a dog warden 
going around the park po- posing as a dog warden, handing out bogus on the spot 20 euro fines to the owners who were letting their pooches off the leash. And apparently, it's fair to say that some people were actually paying him the 20 euro fine. He was a bogus uh, dog warden. Uh, it wasn't real. He was issuing the fines. and that, that screen's dead, incidentally. Um, and apparently, the guards were called. South Dublin County Council were called. Um, and eventually, when the guards arrived, apparently, the fake warden ran off. The park ranger apparently got a partial reg, reg of the car that he jumped into and passed on the information to Angarda Shikona. Um, but it goes to show the different kind of scams and the different kind of tricks and knacks that people are up to. Um, I mean, it's not too far from people who are calling to people's doors also with fake ID trying to get into the house to, to rob the house. So I don't mean to start off your week by frightening the living daylights out of you. Good news for Cons Hill and in fairness to the Sinn Féin councillor Ken Collins uh, there will be a motion uh, t- tabled at Cork City Council to get the hill officially named after the much-loved shopkeeper. Shop is still there, still in the O'Leary family and been there for over 50 years and he was originally elected to represent the city uh, way back in the early 90s. So Cons Hill, I don't think anybody would disagree with that. Uh, there was a petition set up online. It's got over a thousand signatures on the physical petition in the shop and they've got like nearly 600 online signatures so people want it. Uh, money can't buy you happiness, lads, and by all accounts apparently, and this is kind of quite disparaging to people who certainly wouldn't agree that you're happier being poor. I mean, it's quite insulting to say something like that. But nonetheless, they're saying in a mail today, they say that the best things in life are free uh, and there may be some truth in that. Low-income societies were found to have higher levels of life satisfaction. I suppose if you drilled into it deeply, it just goes to show that money can't buy you everything. But it helps... It's always better to have a few bob. <laughs> Mind you, what is the choice here? Have a few bob and be unhappy or have no bobs and be ecstatic. I'll leave you make up your own mind on that one. And then with um, Valentine's just around the corner, the newspapers, of course, are getting rightly stuck into it these days. A lovely article. And I will talk uh, with the author of the article, Emily Crowley, in the Examiner uh, a little later on or maybe in the, the coming days. Um, how, how do you get, uh, how do you find love and what are the best options to get out there and to do it? She, she trialed a few different uh, options. One is apps. The other is meeting in the wild, as in just going out there, whether it's a pub or whether it's in the gym or whether it's climbing a mountain or joining a group. And the third one then is a blind date, the humble blind date. Uh, it's a, it's, it's a quite an amusing and funny article in fairness to her. And uh, it's one of the ones that's dominating the papers today because the star this morning is telling me how you can avoid the Valentine's Day woes. Um, so I will come back to the story a little later on, a bit lengthy to go into it now, but nearly one in three adults in Ireland have never received anything for Valentine's Day. Never even a card, nor a rose, nor a box of chocolates. Sad news for those of you, me included, that loved Dad's Army. Uh, I watched it myself as a kid, and then when my own kids came along, we watched it, and we had great fun sitting down watching it. My son was a huge fan of Dad's Army. Sad to say that the very last member of Dad's Army has passed away at the age of 77. Ian Lavender. Lavender, best known for playing Private Pike in the BBC comedy Dad's Army, has passed away at the age of 77. Very, very sad news. I tell you, Wilson, they're a nation of automatons, led by a lunatic who looks like Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> 
How dare you compare our glorious leader with that non-Aryan clown? Oh, yeah. I am making notes, Captain. And your name will go on the list. <laughs> and when we win the war, you will be brought to account. All right, what you like. You're not going to win this war. Oh, yes, we are. Oh, no, you're not. Oh, yes, we are. <laughs> Whistle while you work. These half army, so's his army, whistle while you... Your name will also go on the list. <laughs> what is it? Don't tell him, Pike. Pike. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I haven't heard that clip in years. <laughs> don't tell him, Pike. I don't know, is it my childish sense of humour or what? Back after the break. Call Neil now. 0818104106 More on keeping our kids safe if you've thoughts on that or you have a policy in your home do text 0868104106 and I will come back to that in a few minutes time it's very important to update on stories as they're unfolding and of course last week uh, we had uh, the discovery of um, a, a body um, uh, somewhat skeletal remains down in East Cork and then there was of course uh, DNA testing and things like that that led us to uh, the understanding that it was the remains of uh, the Corkman Kieran Quilligan. So we spoke on that at length and Barry Road Southern Correspondent with the Irish Times was bringing us right up to date. And then over the weekend, there were uh, yet more updates where there were uh, the Guardi arresting two men and seizing a car down in Mahan which is being examined uh, to see if it contains any DNA evidence. But enough of me, Barry Roach is across it for the Irish Times, joins me on my phone. Barry, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you doing? Also read in, in your copy that um, Gardy still are they still officially classifying uh, Kieran Culligan's disappearance? Uh, oh no, that was until they received the postmortem yeah, results. Yeah, I know that they, it was officially classified as missing persons yeah. from the time they received the report until last Thursday when they got confirmation back. And that's that when it changed and to an exist now. Behind the scenes, it was effectively a murder inquiry in all but name because it, I think there were ten, a team of ten or twelve detectives working on it for. October right through until um, I was still working in actual fact at this incident room they'd set up in the Bible so it's been a murder inquiry in all but name all along but as of Thursday it became officially upgraded with to a the ident- identification and what happened then subsequent to that in the days over the weekend yeah we were I think talking Friday about that uh, and then on Sunday uh, there was another development in that guard he arrested two men one a 31 year old chap uh, arrested in Mahan and then a 26 year old guy was arrested uh, just on a location in the north side they're saying and they were arrested for questioning about Mr Culligan's murder and one guy uh, the 31 year old was taken to the Bridewell the other uh, chap was taken to uh, Grand Braher they were detained under section 4 of the Criminal Justice Act which allows guardy the whole suspects for up to 24 hours before they must be charged or released they were arrested on midday and Sunday and then Garda Press put out a statement uh, yesterday the 5th saying that the man in his 20s had been released without charge and if I'd be prepared for the DPP then last night they issued another statement saying that both men the chap who was still in custody and the guy who was um, released uh, as part of the investigation they're expected to appear, appear before a special city in Cork District Court this morning mm. in connection with the, the case mm. so they're both coming back in so presumably that second chap who was released yesterday has or is about to be re-arrested mm. he's been um, has been at this stage where we're no rope from half ten. So they're due to appear in court this morning. But before that happens, I suppose we can go into a bit more um, detail. As I said, Gardy, you've been very, very tight-lipped about this all the way along. Uh, just to recap, Karen Quilkin's 
Clarity skeletal remains were found at the bottom of a, a gully some seven kilometres from Middleton, off the Middleton Whitegate Road, uh, last Monday, midday, by a, a, a cadaver dog. Uh, the two-man team, they'd begun searching tours earlier, and once the remains were discovered, they were uh, area was preserved, and Dr. Bolster, the assistant state pathologist, examined the body at the scene and then they were removed to CUH. Gardy, from very early on, felt they were searching for Kieran Quilligan and they felt it was him because even though the remains were largely skeletal, there was obviously some um, evidence uh, they were able to identify a tattoo, which they knew he had, but until they got the DNA results back, they weren't really in a position to sort of formally and officially confirm that it was him. Um, we said, I think, before he was originally from Baker's Road in Gronenbrugger, and he'd last seen live on September the 1st on CCD footage in St. Finbrath Place near St. Mary's Cathedral at around 9.15pm on September the 1st. I've been checking last night, just out of curiosity, as to when dusk falls on September the 1st. And uh, I couldn't find it for September or for 2023, but apparently sunset on September the 1st this year will be um, at 8.22. So give it another three quarters of an hour after that I presume it's well and truly dark at that stage and was dark on September the 1st um, he was Gary traced his movements um, Kieran Quilligan's from um, Anderson's Key where he was staying with Simon all the way over to Proby's Key so CCTV footage played a huge part in this and I think in other aspects of it as well he was traced going up St. Finbrass uh, steps or St. the steps at St. Finbrass place but Gary is satisfied that he was actually attacked up there somewhere on the way there's a bend in the steps as well so if you're at the bottom you can mm. see through to the top and, and vice versa from 4th Street down so somewhere around there they're satisfied that he was attacked and possibly beaten with a hammer and then bundled helpless into a car and taken away and uh, you know they believe he was seriously injured in that beating um, but he was driven by his assailants to be to Courtstone in Little Island in East Cork that's about 15 kilometres but they're still trying to establish whether he was deceased when they arrived at Courtstone or whether he received another assault there which was fatal uh, but they're satisfied his body was dumped there for a period that would be in September the 1st and I think they believe that the gang as it were returned there two days later and removed his badly beaten body from where they dumped it and brought it to where they dumped it off the Whitegate Road How did they know that? Were they able to tr- track those movements or what? I suspect yeah I suspect uh, like the investigations have changed hugely from <laughs> years ago in terms of phone records and pinging phone stuff and CCTV okay. obviously is a huge thing as well no, they haven't said but I presume that's how they were able to um, okay. track that okay. so um, and I know they've examined hundreds of hours of CCTV from around the city and, and down East Cork as well and are we any I mean you, you're talking the copy of how tight-lipped the Gardaí are and rightly so from the outset it's a very active investigation but you you say that that at least Gardy believed that from an early stage, uh, Mr. Culligan's abduction and death was related to an incident some hours or perhaps days before his disappearance. Yeah, um, my understanding is they've taken statements from about eighty witnesses around the city, including uh, Kieran Culligan had a heroin problem. He sort of said that himself in, at a court appearance in June that he was attending a methadone clinic, and they've spoken to heroin addicts on the city and on the streets, and I think they're satisfied that in the hours, maybe the day before, but certainly uh, some hours before, he and another man robbed a heroin dealer in the city up off McCorton Street. So I'd imagine that they probably looked at CCTV footage covering McCorton Street. A sum of cash, was it? Yeah. A sum of cash, but also maybe some drugs. I'm not... uh, Okay. I I can't establish. What do they believe happened after that? And then this... 
for that and I suppose to send out a message that's my understanding at least it's one of the lines of inquiry that okay. they're looking at so we'll probably hear more in the fullness of time but um, that's one line as I say that they're following but there seems to be a huge amount of work done in this um, over the uh, October late September once the detective branch under uh, Superintendent McCommons got involved uh, and a team was put together from sort of I'd say it was two weeks after with the spirit I think yeah. they came involved okay. so that was roughly okay. mid-September so from them right through huge amount of work and involved huge um, uh, examination of CCTV hours hundreds of hours of CCTV footage and we've seen that in other investigations here in Cork in the okay. um, Santina Colley murder for example how they traced somebody walking from Bony Manor Road into the city and back out as well And but that's painstaking slow arduous work and there's no fast way of doing it I suppose so Yes and of course everything and of course we also have um, you know an extensive improvements in DNA and that's the reason why they have a car I believe do they have a car Gardy? They have a car seized and they'll be examining that to see if there's any links to DNA from say Kieran Quilligan's blood or anything like that is found in it so that would link the car to obviously indicate he was in the in the vehicle so yeah. that's something that's undergoing as well yeah. so I mean it's on several fronts um, that they've brought to them at this point and obviously moved on Sunday then to make the two arrests okay. as okay. it were Good stuff. Okay, we're right up to date as always. Thank you so much, Barry, for that update. Barry Roach, Southern Correspondent with the uh, Irish Times, the court appearance this morning, around about half past ten. If there's any developments, I certainly will come back to it. Now, now I know I've spoken, I'll come back to it as well, the fact that uh, more and more children, and they are children, you look at a six-year-old, they're still very, very small children with access to the whole world uh, on a smartphone and all of the implications of that. Uh, one of them, of course, has to do with, uh, you know, cyberbullying uh, and issues like that, online grooming, access to pornography. Could I just mention, though, I got a very heartfelt email um, at the back end of last week, and it's not cyberbullying, but it is bullying, the old-fashioned physical in-your-face kind of stuff. My son is a victim of bullying for five years now in the secondary school system. He was assaulted in February by a group of boys, seriously injured, shoulder dislocated during this uh, third attack. When this same group took place during school time, he required surgery the following week. Uh, He was 15 at the time, and when he presented to a GP, it had to be reported. He did everything he'd been advised, cooperated with the authorities, the school, CCTV was obtained, admissions were given, We were then subjected to harassment from one family of a particular boy involved. There were many incidents recorded and reported and nothing was ever done. This time it happened at lunchtime in school. And as I said, it was the third physical attack he'd endured by this group of boys. How many chances do kids get in the juvenile system? It's too lenient and schools, in my opinion as a parent, have lost control. We believe the school did not take action according to their policies. We do acknowledge that they were restricted because of existing recommended policies. The boys denied it at the school initially and nothing could be done because of GDPR. Nothing could be shared from the guard investigation, which did eventually result in them getting a caution and juvenile supervision. We went through the grievance procedure at the school, which took up to recently. The meetings uh, had, had been uh, so slow. Uh, I don't see why people bother. It took us 23 months. Uh, what we have endured at the school with continued incidents and a much longer version than I'm sending you and reported weekly physical attacks at the school would absolutely shock you what my son went through. Needless to say, the last two years has been mentally draining for the whole family. Can't come on the air because we're trying to get through his last four months in secondary school and counting the days he has 
left in school. I do hope you get to read this and appreciate you raising awareness of this topic. And that by email to neil at uh, redfm.ie. And I'm quite sure, unfortunately, there are others and indeed parents listening to this can relate to that email. And perhaps something that their son or daughter is actually going through as we speak. Text 0868104106. Email neil at uh, redfm.ie. Back on uh, bullying and children and issues like that after the break. Call Neil now. 0818104106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Text 0868104106. Front of the mail this morning. 25% of six-year-olds are having have a smartphone and parents, unfortunately, lack the confidence, as in, I guess they just don't have the knowledge on how to keep their kids safe with regards to the World Wide Web and all of the implications of that. This is a survey that was done with uh, over 900 parents on behalf of Cyber Safe Kids and their Head of Education and Innovation is uh, Philip Arnelli and he joins me by phone. Philip, good morning. Thank you so much for taking the call. I'm probably pronouncing your surname wrong. Is it Arnell, is it? My apologies. It's Arnell, but don't worry, you'll not be the first. <laughs> Sorry about that. It's a tough one. It, it, it would strike me then, reading certainly the headline, that kids are getting phones younger and younger and younger these days, right? Yeah, absolutely. Look, you know, uh, there's nothing really particularly surprising, I think, for us in, in some of these stats. And, and also, you know, we talk a lot about phones, but we've also got to bring you know, games consoles and iPads into the conversation too. Really, any device that's enabling children access to the online world is something that should, certainly for kids this age, be something that is a cause for concern if it's not being monitored and supervised sufficiently by parents. And we understand that parents do feel overwhelmed and they do lack the confidence to to perhaps do some of those things. But this is part of the reason for the campaign that we've launched today, the Same Rules Apply campaign, because we want parents to feel more empowered. We want them to get more involved in their children's online lives. And, you know, then a lot of the risks and harms that can potentially come across in the online world can be mitigated, you know, quite easily. But why do they feel that a six-year-old should have a phone, never mind a smartphone, in the first place? Well, it's a very good question. Yeah, I mean, that's really what that, that's up to individual parents to make those decisions. You know, certainly we would say that, you know, holding off on a smartphone in particular um, is definitely a good idea till at least post primary age, because really there's no practical reason, you know, and for, for a child that age to have a smartphone now. OK, they may simply only be watching videos on YouTube for, or something like that, for example. But this is kind of part of our message is that no matter what a child's doing, if they're, if they're doing it in an unsupervised um, and uncontrolled way, the chances are, even if they're watching something like YouTube Kids or something like that, they're going to come across content potentially that may upset them, that may distress them. And so it's really important that parents are looking at what's happening and making sure that they're having those conversations and that dialogue with their children and the young people. About because they have, amongst online. other things, access to self-harm videos. And as we speak, there's no real serious restrictions on um, the availability and viewing of pornography. Well, it's to do with the algorithm, really, isn't it? So, I mean, if you give your phone, for example, to, to a child in, in a restaurant or something like that, and this is not any suggestion that parents are looking at anything inappropriate, but we all know how things pop up on phones, you know, and things are linked to what you've been looking at or what your friends and your networks are looking at. So the chances are, you know, that the algorithm's going to read that. It's going to be looking at those kind of things and it's going to be pushing and suggesting content that happens on YouTube, it happens on all social media platforms. So 
once again, you know, those algorithms are what is controlling what you see. And so it's really important, like, to make sure that, you know, whatever children are accessing online, that it's in a controlled and supervised what are the What are the six-year-olds on? Do we know our seven-year-olds or eight-year-olds or nine or ten-year-olds? Is it like, is it TikTok? Is it Snapchat? Is, is, it, is, it, is it platforms where pedophiles can lurk and groom? Well, I mean, we know certainly from our own research that we released uh, in September, you know, 84% of 8 to 12-year-olds, now we don't go any lower than 8 in that particular survey, but even 8-year-olds, 84% of 8 to 12-year-olds have their own social media account. Now, the most popular amongst those are YouTube, which in, in some ways is not a social media platform, but a lot of the risks and harms are potentially the same. And then 37% have TikTok and, and Snapchat as well. And, you know, to be perfectly honest, you know, kids are potentially contacting strangers or certainly strangers are contacting right. people, yeah, uh, yeah. children and young people online. So there's always that possibility for grooming. Now, in many cases, they're playing games, for example, with people they don't know. It may be actually friends. It may be peers. But, uh, but again, the point is, if you saw your child across the street talking to someone that you didn't know and they didn't know, you would immediately be concerned. So again, you know, the message of this same rules apply campaign is exactly that. You know, if you, if you wouldn't tolerate these kind of things offline, then, you know, we really shouldn't allow these same things to happen online because the risks and the harms are definitely real. Certainly saw that in the case of the death and the murder of Anna Kriegel, didn't we? It featured very, very strongly in that case that led to um, uh, jail sentences. Um, The parents then who you spoke with felt that they weren't equipped or knowledgeable enough to help their children staying staying safe in an online world in the sense that they didn't have the knowledge, is it? Yeah, I mean, you know, look, the, the online world changes quickly. We hear this a lot from parents, like, I don't know what my kids are doing. I don't really understand it. And that's perfectly understandable. You know, there's often this misconception that because children grew up in a digital age and they don't know anything else, that somehow they're automatically programmed to also effectively and safely function in that world. And that, of course, is not the case. You know, I grew up in a world where cars existed, but I still had to learn how to drive. So, you know, as parents and guardians, we've got to say, okay, well, I might not understand TikTok. I may not understand the appeal of TikTok, but I can at least go online. I can find out, you know, very quickly Mm. what TikTok is, Mm. how it works, why it appeals to my kid. Uh, And one of the things that we've done with this campaign is we've put together a digital parenting booklet for exactly that reason, to try and demystify some of these platforms, to try and give practical resources and advice to parents and guardians so that if they feel that way, that's okay. But what you also have to do then is because kids are spending so much time, we have to say, okay, I feel overwhelmed. You know, I'm not sure how to help, but I'm going to go and find out the information. And all the information is there. Yeah. It's free. It's easily accessible. And very quickly, you might find that, you know, you can suddenly be in a position where you're more confident talking to your child about these things. You're prepared to have these conversations. You're able to look at, at possible restrictions or controls. That and and there use. should be restrictions, shouldn't there? Because you can't, I can't get on my head a five or six year old in their own bedroom with a smartphone on their own. It's like a loaded gun. Well, absolutely, yeah. I mean, there should be restrictions. We would encourage that, you know, certainly for primary school children, that phones, uh, games consoles and tablets, which are also very popular amongst that age group, shouldn't really be taken up to bedrooms at all. They should be used in a shared space. 
They should be charged, you know, at night downstairs where they're not accessible in bedrooms. And also even, although maybe quite annoying for parents and people, other people in the house, really ideally not using headphones as well. Because again, then you can be alerted very quickly if, if inappropriate content or language or something like that, you know, comes up on something they're watching. You can hear that straight away. Yeah. And I think you also have to be able to learn how to navigate um, w- with the child when the child kind of fights back or pushes back. It's my phone. It's none of your business. You can't look at it. It's not right. It's private. How do you deal with all of that? Well, sensitively, I suppose would be the would, would be the first thing. But I mean, look, you know, if if an eight year old or a nine year old was hiding something else that wasn't to do with the online world, you would want to know, and you would do what it was. You, you would do what was necessary to find out to, in order to help them. So, you know, we understand that obviously, as children get um, into those teenage years, they're going to increasingly value their own privacy, and that's perfectly valid. But if you've established clear expectations and ground rules early on and discussing what you're doing online is a normal part of family life, then as that, you know, as as the children and the young people grow older, then that trust is established and they know that you're not asking for any sort of intrusive reason. You're not spying or anything like that, but you're doing it in this atmosphere where actually you want to help because we've had children and young people and families come to us, you know, with these stories of things that have happened and a lot of times it could be mitigated by talking about what's happened earlier perhaps the child or the young person has tried to hide what's happened online they've tried to deal with it themselves and then as a result you know the situation simply gets worse before yeah, it gets better yeah because yeah, you have to kids have to be taught don't they so there'd be no real difference between teaching a child how to navigate this world somewhat sinister and all as it can be isn't not unlike say for instance you wouldn't tell your child, ah, you don't need any swimming lessons. Just jump in off the pier and see how you get on. You would teach them, wouldn't you? You would give them lessons and things like that or ride well, the exactly, bike for them. That's, that's the message of our of our video on the same rules supply campaign today. You know, the child is late for tennis. He grabs the car keys. He decides to drive himself because his parents are busy and his parents are distracted. It's absurd. It's absurd. absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. But the reality is we don't think the same way about the online world. We think it's okay. A child's upstairs in the bedroom. They're just playing about in the iPad and we don't think about those risks in the same way. And this is the message of Same Rules Apply is we've got to try and view these two things the same. And one of the worst terms that's ever originated in this space is this idea of a digital native because what that implies is that somehow children and young people are sort of programmed to be better uh, and more effective online users. But the reality is not. They may be able to pick up a device and work their way around it much quicker than, than older people. But the reality is they, of course, still need to be taught how to be safe uh, and how to have a, a positive experience online and avoid the harms and risks that inevitably exist online. I could, I've got, I mean, I could talk to you half the morning here because we all, we all see children with, with, uh, with phones at a very young age. You might notice them in restaurants or you might, you might see them in, in, you know, in, in social settings with their parents. And, and I'm wondering how many parents use that as a tool just to get a bit of peace or to keep the children quiet for a while, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's it's understandable. Look, you know, everybody wants peace and quiet, right? And it, and it is a kind of a, you know, perhaps you were sat in front of the TV back in the day and, and it's a similar thing to that, you know, but if that's that's up to parents, if that's how parents want to, to parent their children, then, then so be it. But in within that context, it's absolutely essential that you're really clear on what their children are looking at okay. and what they're accessing and also that they know what the expectations and rules okay. are. So is it possible then to actually buy a phone that has no Wi-Fi, no internet, um, 
and 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 if so, what are the models? Do we even know? I mean, I, when my father was was quite elderly and passed away last year, but his eyesight was going, and he found the small phone too fidgety, and we got a much bigger one with bigger keys. Um, it had very very limited ability. I think you could take calls and take and receive texts, probably nothing else. Is that the kind of model we're talking about? Yeah, I mean, look, there's a valid argument for safety, you know, but a lot of parents say, well, my child's going to school on their own. And of course, that's, you know, totally, totally understandable. So, I mean, there are options, you know, you see even a lot of people now going back to the old Nokia, the old flip phones and things like that, because they don't want to be on social media. So, I mean, that's one option. There are actually devices um, specifically designed for children where I think you can only uh, receive calls from certain people. So, you know, if you were sending your child off, it would be programmed with your number and it would be a way of contacting them. I suppose it's sort of a step on from the old-fashioned pager where you got a page and then you had to go and, and make a phone uh, phone call in the phone box. So there are those options. And I think particularly around if it's a security or a safety issue, then that's a good way to do that because probably what's different about the phone to, say, a games console or a tablet is generally they're used in the house. But the, the difference with the smartphone is this mobility. So once the kid goes out of the house, then you don't necessarily know what they're accessing mm. potentially. Mm. There are also parental restrictions. You know, Google and Apple both have uh, good family um, platforms where you can go in and you can manage access within a parent device and you can see what what's being accessed. You can set time limits. You can uh, set those kind of restrictions of parental control. So there are definitely ways to do that but we would say that this is not the only solution it's really part of a bigger societal approach that we need to take to this issue and by all means use restrictions and parental controls but don't think that's going to solve all the problems because it simply won't. Okay, appreciate that. I know one of them would be Apple's family sharing feature. It lists exactly which websites their children can access um, and it uh, only works within I guess the Apple browser which is Safari um, but I'm wondering, do the platforms themselves do enough? You know, the different platforms themselves, they've been brought kicking and screaming to the table all too often trying to keep people safe. Is there still a lot of work that they could be doing? Absolutely. I mean, look, we saw the other day in, in the US, you know, there was an apology from, from Meta, from the head of Meta. And, you know, it was, but it was very much a forced scenario where really, there was really no choice. And so we would say no. I mean, we welcome the, the development of the Office of the Online Safety Commissioner in Ireland and we hope that that's going to lead eventually to an individual complaints mechanism where people will be able to take quick and efficient action against companies to have content removed and to protect their children and young people because it's simply not happening at the moment. We know, as I've said to you, 84% of kids have their own social media accounts. So despite these age restrictions, despite these age gates that we're told are in place and are being monitored, it's simply not working because children are smart enough to be able to do a little subtraction, put in the correct, uh, you know, uh, year to present as 18 mm. and then get on these platforms which you know frankly are not designed for children mm. so they really shouldn't be on there at all and certainly in Ireland until they're 16 without parental supervision OK my man, thank you Philip, much obliged to you for that update with regards to uh, the research uh, from um, Cyber Safe Kids a uh, quarter of six year olds with their own smartphones just on a quick, uh, quick Google search this morning, uh, Kevin found a phone that uh, Smiths are selling, it's called a VTech Kids snap touch uh, and it 
looks like a, a mobile phone. It really does. It's got all of the different, uh, you know, icons on it and everything. But clearly, it's very much targeted towards children with lots of different restrictions. Sixty four ninety nine. The question then that needs to be asked is if a child goes into school or is hanging out with mates with a phone like that and somebody else has a an Apple 13 or whatever they are now or in my case, a Samsung Ultra 22S uh, then that'll lead to jeering, name calling, and bullying, won't it? Text 0868104106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Conversation that matters. It's bizarre the amount of spam that we get in junk. Can you contact us as soon as possible on our 24 hour number? Numbers there. Select option one regarding the activity on your PTSB visa debit card. Your card usage may be restricted at this time. We'll never ask you to click links or disclose disclose passcodes. If suspicious, please call the number on the back of your card. Now, they're hoping that you won't call the number on the back of your card, but you will call the number that they sent you in the spam text. You know, that's the kind of thing. And God only knows, if you know, they send out thousands and thousands of those. They only need to get one in a hundred or one in two hundred or whatever you to actually bite to ultimately get money because ultimately that would lead you then to giving out PIN numbers and stuff like that and then they've got access to your online account and they'll drain you. But but back to kids. I was chatting last week with Seamus about this um, with regards to young children. Uh, he joins me by phone, uh, joins me by mic actually from another studio just very quickly. How, how, old, how old are your kids now? Do you mind me even asking that? Well, I have a girl that's soon to be nine, nine. and I have um, another girl who's soon to be three going on. 73. Okay. <laughs> okay. So the three-year-old is not the issue right now, but the, the nine-year-old with regards to restrictions on mobile phones and gaming consoles would be, right? No, both. Really? Uh, three-year-old? Yeah. yeah. When we're when we're changing her nappy, it's the, the mobile phone to kind of look at it. We have um, a kind of a, a kid's YouTube channel that she looks at um, and we monitor it, so that that's fine. Um, the soon-to-be nine-year-old, we give her 30 minutes on YouTube a day um, and it's it's an egg timer we have for her so she flips it over twice and once they once in your presence yes okay like in uh, the kitchen the kitchen table or in the front room or something yeah then we we watch the youtube on on the tv she gets half an hour uh, a day um i know other kids that have unfettered access um but my worry is like there is a kids uh, youtube but it doesn't have the kind of stuff that she watches. Like she uh, look at these influencers like uh, Ninja Kids and and things like that. Um, but my worry is while she's watching it, there's adverts that could come up, or that it might move on to something else that may not be good for her age group, or they might be talking about about stuff. So we, there has to be an adult in the room while she's watching mm. the, watching YouTube mm. and then once her 30 minutes is up she either goes on to uh, standard TV or she goes to Netflix or, or Disney and no no tantrums and everybody's happy with that system um, we put it in in uh, in play from the outset from day one um, you get the odd tantrum but look What's the, what's the alternative? You mm. don't get it at all. And does your child have a, a smartphone? She doesn't. I don't believe that she should have a smartphone until at least she's in secondary school. But I do know some of her peers in school 
would have them. Well, it shouldn't um, surprise you if, if six-year-olds have them. Yeah, and I also know of a couple of kids around her age that have their own TikTok accounts. But they're, I'm led to believe they're, they don't, the only people that are on that TikTok account is her parents. Mm. Uh, but There's a restriction on it. There's a restriction okay. on it. Okay. But okay. Um, no, I'll, we'll try and get away with it as long as we can. Is she looking for a phone though? Uh, she was a few years ago, but no, no, because if she, like, why does she need a phone? Because she says all her pals have one. She's collected from school, from the after school company um, by bus. Um, we collect her then in the evenings. There's no need for a phone. Uh, she has her friends. She can talk to her friends. Mm, mm. And if uh, she wants to play games on the phone, she has our phone. And we monitor okay, it okay. while she while she's playing. I don't see the reason why kids that young should have mobile phones. I wonder. I wonder what is the scenario like then in primary schools if you've got classrooms full of kids with mobile phones? Are they are they playing with them in class or are the kid are the teachers distracted trying to get their attention? Well, I I went to educate together um, last year and spoke to the parents and the kids themselves um, and they have a, a mobile phone policy there where the mobile phones are put away once they come into school they're put away and they're not used where? in uh, Educate Together a locker or somewhere you, you uh, surrender your phone is it? no it's, it's, it's in their bag but they're, they're, they're not used um, and the kids adhere to that now talking to some parents like uh, some of the kids are of an age where they'd be walking home or they'd be walking to an area to meet their, their parents I agree with the safety up. aspect of that and, for sure and that's why they have them yeah. but um, I'm hearing a lot also that um, more and more teachers and those that look after children indeed maybe even parents would admit to it are saying that children and young people even teens and 20-somethings their level of concentration is shot that their retention of information is shot they forget things they don't remember things and much of this is to do with ridiculously long amounts of screen time yeah, yeah. yeah. it's sad isn't it, it never is. mind the ability to hold a conversation it is like it was never like that in our day. Um, like the like we were thrown out the door, and you get out and you play. You're Different not, world. You're yeah. not, you're not on these playstations or anything like that. But uh, I can see it. Okay, much obliged, Seamus. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Pick up the phone on oh eight one eight one zero four one zero six, and uh, we'll come back to calls, texts, and emails uh, after ten this morning. And twenty five percent of six year olds. Uh, with a smartphone uh, and a source. So when you get on the on the wheel of smartphones, of course, then they become more and more expensive because you need to get the next model and the next model and keep up with the latest one. And before you know it, you're paying 800 a grand or even more. Uh, anyway, pick it up after 10. Text 0868104106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Conversation that matters. Certainly do. The Neil Prenderville Show with Mercedes-Benz Cork. Uh, Texts already this morning. Uh, uh, front pages of the Red Tops this morning talking about Joe Duffy not wanting to renew. Would you stop it? Of course, Duffy is leaving because of the money. Um, he really does the show these days anyway. He has Katie Hannon doing it for him. Wouldn't it be better for RT to employ Katie Hannon full-time, says Mal. Well, it's all speculation, actually. We will just have to wait and see.
what happens next in that regard. Uh, on Valentine's, I was telling you about the number of people, something like uh, one in three people say they never got a Valentine present in their life. It wasn't a card, it wasn't a box of chocolates, it wasn't a bouquet of flowers or anything like that. Or the male equivalent, although I'm quite sure that men would be alright with cards, flowers and chocolates. I have a wife for the past 15 years who never got me a thing, but I get her flowers, a card and a box of sweets. All I get is a thank you. <laughs> Do you ever kind of bring the subject up, I mean, in some kind of a delicate way, saying it must be great to get, I don't know, like no matter how I would put it anyway, I'd put my foot in it, but there must be some kind of way to broach the subject that you actually would like a present in return. I was told by my ex, if he ever saw me with anyone, he would murder me. Um, to this day, I wouldn't dream of getting involved as he would follow through. Uh, the weird thing with obsession is that it has no benefits of indulgence. Uh, I never got a Valentine's card. We never held hands. There were no holidays, no birthday celebrations, but he always was watching and threatening and putting his face into mine. Uh, no good side to it. That is a very disturbing text, I have to say. And even to this day, although he is now your ex you would be slow to get involved with somebody new for fear that he would follow through. I wonder, did you ever go to Angarda Shikona with regards to that? There are laws against that. Um, and then on the subject of Cons Hill, it would have been great to officially have renamed Cons Hill when he was alive. Although I know uh, he knew everyone called it that anyway. I wonder if there are any other similar situations where people could do it when someone is still alive, says John. That's a, a lovely text, actually, because all too often we wait until somebody has passed away to tell them how much we think of them. Um, and then somebody just kind of is wondering about the afterlife. I put it out there because somebody texts me and says, I know it might seem a bit off the wall to you, but why do people believe in the afterlife? Has anyone got actually a story of proof? I want to believe, but I find it hard to believe. Can somebody please change my mind? Let me throw that out as a challenge to somebody listening to this program. Can you help them change their mind? Help them believe in an afterlife? Uh, on smartphones for kids, text 0868104106. I bought my son, he's six, an explorer. X-P-L-O-R-A. Watch it. It's fantastic. You have complete control of who contacts them via the app. And if a number is uploaded to the app, then that person cannot call them. It's like a phone, but in a watch. You can also track them via the GPS on the device, which I really love as I have a very active six-year-old. It's a watch. You can put it on school mode. So it only shows the time during school. So it's an explorer, not necessarily a smartphone or a phone at all, but a watch. I finally gave in and bought my eight-year-old a tablet last year, though I was very reluctant. I have a parental control app on it with restricted time. But what more can I do to keep him safe? What is the best parental control app? I suppose it depends on what platforms you're on, really, whether it's, uh, you know, are you Google or are you uh, Safari with um, you know, the likes of uh, Apple? Uh, anyway, to the phone lines we go. Pauline, good morning. Uh, good morning, Neil. Okay, so six-year-olds with smartphones. Does it come as a surprise to you? I'm in a state of shock. I just can't believe it. A six-year-old to me is is like a baby. <laughs> and I have an eight-year-old boy and I have an 11-year-old boy and I'm listening to your programme and I'm dumbfounded why a six-year-old needs a mobile phone. Well, a parent might say to be safe 
to be contactable so that parents will know where they are, that they can call the parent if they need them or, you know, if they find themselves in a bit of trouble or whatever? But a six-year-old would need supervision anyway, in my opinion, Neil. I, I'm trying to, like, envision this, but I I don't understand. When my boy okay. was six, if we were in a play park or anywhere like that, I, I would be there. I understand maybe if a child had to be collected from school or something, but there's mom groups. Like, if one of our moms was late, they text the group saying, okay. can you tell my son I'm coming? And You're right. I'm, yeah. trying to, I'm just trying to get my head around it. Okay, maybe it's, it's pressure good. from other kids that they want yeah. to fit in and the parents don't want them to be ostracised by their pals and they'd be afraid of bullying or grief or whatever and they just surrender and they say, okay, you can have it. Well, that, that I mean, I don't know, is this just my son's school? But none of my son, my age-old's class have phones. And I've talked to the parents about this and they don't have phones. Well, you have so, two, you have an eight-year-old. What about the 11-year-old, though? No, he doesn't have a phone. And, and I does, he ever ask for, does he ever ask for Never, phone? not on the radar at all. I mean... No, I, I'm, I'm just, I don't know. Maybe he's innocent, but... No, he's not that innocent. But is he... What about an Xbox? What about a PlayStation? No. Tablet? He has a PlayStation Laptop. 4. Um, he barely uses it. He has a tablet. He likes Roblox. Um, all his friends have PlayStations and they're really into it. And he did, he did get it and he had the headset and he was talking to them. But he got bored of it. Okay, okay. So what is he I, into I, then? What, what are your kids into? He likes Roblox. He likes... Um, he likes drawing, Neil. He okay, likes so colouring. he likes drawing, likes art. colouring, art, okay. He loves soccer, yeah. He likes training soccer. He goes soccer training. Um, does he read and books? And not forcing it. He does read books. He wouldn't be a bookworm, but he'd, he'd read and he loves soccer books, anything to do with football. Um, but it's not that I'm forcing on him it's just c- comes organically to him okay. and he's got lovely friends who are similar um, I wonder does much of it I wonder, I wonder does much of it have to do with kids when they're very young they see their mum or their dad or both with their faces stuck mm-hmm. in a phone all of the time well to be fair my husband has no interest in the phone I would be on my phone a lot and I'd be guilty of that mm-hmm. but I'm conscious of it around the children um that when I were watching a movie or something, the phone is gone, and that's just my conscious decision. They mm. never say, "Mom, you're on your phone." I know I because I am on social media. And my husband's not, but I like I had to have a chat with the boys because I had a party for my eleven year old, and there was fifteen boys there, and there was one or two boys that had phones. Out of all those kids, Neil, there was only two who had phones, and we went to the cinema, and one boy watched YouTube through the whole movie. Wow. And I, I just broke didn't my Didn't engage heart with the film at all. And didn't engage with the film at all. And my son came to me about that and said, I just thought that was a bit strange, Mum, that he watched that. And, and I was like, look, I go, so is, he, is he on social media? He's on Snapchat. And he's always arguing with one boy in his cast on Snapchat. And I, I'm just... That's scary stuff. What? That's it's a typical example of why it can be dangerous. So you get yeah, a child arguing with another child on Snapchat. On Snapchat over something, and I just get I, this is, and I know it's all ahead of me, and it's going to have to happen. Some stage, he's going to need a phone, but what, I'm just enjoying it now, listening to your show. That they're not asking me for all this, and the peer pressure. It, it, it's down to me, to me as a parent. If my son comes home, mom, I'm getting picked on at school because I don't have a phone. I'm still not giving him a phone. 
if he doesn't need it, it's obviously when he goes into secondary school and, I, and I'm going to have to give him some sort mm. of a phone, but it's not going to be a smartphone. Mm. Will you suggest it then? Him. Will you suggest it in secondary school or will you wait for him to ask? I, I, I think I'll wait for him to ask yeah. me on it. And, yeah. I, I, and I know that there's other parents that are similar to me. And I'm just... I'm just in, in shock because it's not even on their radars. And these, my son is the youngest; he's eleven. Most of his, but the boys are guys are twelve, and there's no talk of phones. That's amazing that you would have such a big group and no phones. I have to say, and you're, we are talking about Honestly, a, a 10, 11 year olds. Yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah, that's very interesting. And when interesting. you said six, I, I was just like six, six year olds, they're babies. Okay, let's uh, let's keep the conversation going. Thank you so much, Pauline. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Breaking news this morning. I just see it being reported that the former Taoiseach John Bruton has died after a long illness. He was. Uh, a Taoiseach for um, Fine Gael for a period of time. He's 76 years old. The family said it's with uh, deep sadness we wish to announce the death of the former Taoiseach John Bruton. Died peacefully at the Matter Private Hospital in Dublin. I'm just seeing it uh, for the first time. Uh, he was a Taoiseach from 1994 to 1997 as part of the Rainbow Coalition uh, yesterday. Text 0868 back after the break. The Neil Prenderville Show uh, on yeah. Red FM. I understand the importance of keeping kids safe with regards to the cyber world and all that comes with it. Um, but at the same time, I know I mentioned it already, but that one sounded like a scratched record. I think uh, way too much screen time for everybody, particularly young children whose brains are developing, can lead to issues regarding concentration, recall, and even communication skills. But anyway, enough of me. Vinny, good morning. Morning, Neil. Oh, thank you for taking the call. You have a 10-year-old and a 12-year-old. How are you navigating all of this? Uh, we're using apps uh, like Family Link from Google, and, and you can track and uh, set times to, to, for, for them to use the devices. So you have a subsection on the child's phone probably under the title Parental Control, and in there are apps, is it? Um, it's an app, uh, the Google one that goes on, you, you download it to the child's device and your own phone, and then you can uh, set it up that whenever they turn it on, you see uh, what, they're, what they're watching and, and what they're playing. And they're okay long. with that, that you get an alert, are they? Uh, yeah. Okay, okay. Okay, they and, have no choice. That's how I said. And that's <laughs> so, uh, that's called Family uh, Link. And and in an extreme situation, you have a button where you can switch control over to you of their phone. Yeah, or I can turn off the phone, uh, but I can also track their phone where it is at any moment. Can you put a timer on their phone with regards to screen time? Yeah, you can. You can set it up. Uh, you, you can delete apps. You can uh, block them. You can uh, change the times on them so they can only be for an hour on YouTube yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Can you control their their access and what they're doing on on say PlayStation and things like that, tablets, other things like? Yeah, phone? you can do that too with their uh, parental controls. It's all there. Uh, you can give them a budget for for the month, so they can buy for what a tenner in or or twenty euro in the in the shop. See an article there, a father and son discovered that nearly $8,000 have been charged to the father's credit card entirely consisting of transaction purchases in FIFA for Xbox. Could you imagine the surprise that the dad got 
when you discovered that there was eight grand. I, I, I can only imagine. <laughs> but, but he yeah, thought, he thought his son was placing a one-time fee on the card and the son claimed to be as shocked as the dad. But um, apparently you, you, you kept purchasing, purchasing, purchasing or something like that. I, I, I can't yeah, understand well, how it would go to eight grand. Subscriptions don't just uh, keep, keep renewing themselves. That's another one that, that really uh, eats into your budget. Okay, okay. If so so if, you, if, if there was a parent listening right now with a 10 and a 12-year-old and they had a smartphone and they were concerned about their safety, what one thing would you tell them to do? I would download Family Link on on both your devices, so you can at least track uh, what they're doing. Family Link, and that will do everything you need with regards to monitoring, uh, knowing when they're on the phone, what they're on, for how long, and even controlling their screen time. Yeah, and it's completely free as well. And the kids are okay with this. If you, if you give them a choice, probably not. But They would prefer not, but know that this is the only way they're going to get to have some access on their phones. Got that. Okay. Good stuff. Yeah. Thank you, Vinny. Appreciate it. Text 0868 Another story then with regards to running up massive bills. Single mother of two, age 40, tells of the horror after her eight-year-old son racked up a massive 3,000 euro bill on her credit card in just three weeks by buying what they call Xbox add-ons. I won't go into the detail of that, but I'm quite sure that when you're on there, you're constantly bombarded as to how to move to the next level, the next best thing, and of course, always, that involves money. Anyway, busy morning this morning. Melissa, good morning. Hi, Dave. How are you? Okay, so you now have a 17-year-old who wasn't always 17, but uh, what was the what was it like in the earlier years? Um, well, we were very strict, or she thought we were very strict. Um, we didn't give her a phone till the end of sixth class. Which would have been um, how old? Smart, Ten, smart, is it? Maybe phone. 10 or 11? She, no, she was, she was 12 since the end of sixth class. So I just thought because she was going to first year that we should kind of ease off a little bit and leave her, leave her have it. Okay. And had she, you plagued for, had she you plagued for a few years before that? Um, I wouldn't say plagued because I just said no. Like, I just said no from the start. I said, no, you're too young. So... So I know what's on phones, you know, so I didn't want her to have that. And then when she got it, we discovered the family link, as the previous caller was talking about. Yeah. So we had that on her phone, and she was allergic to us for for stopping her getting certain apps. You can see what apps they're getting, and you can they have to get permission from you to download an app, Yeah. which is a brilliant setting. No and way then, around that in any way, shape, or form. So that's the thing. So my next girl, five years younger... And we had the same um, plan that we wouldn't give her the, the smartphone till the end of sixth class. And she had a little Nokia blockia, an old-fashioned phone, which she hated. But we were like, no, we're not giving in. So that was fine. And then last year, her dad gave in when they were out shopping. He said, I'll get her a basic smartphone. The other one couldn't believe we were giving in. The oldest girl, she was traumatized. She was like, that's not fair. She got it. So, but... um. We kind of said, I said, look, I can't go against him. No, we're supposed to be a team. Like, so I said, look, we'll see how we get on. So I put the, the family link on it. The, it's, it's a Google thing anyway. It's a family link. And it, it's been going fine. Like, if she's on the phone too long, we can switch it off from our phones. Or if she needs a new app, we have to okay the app before she can get do it. You give war- do you give warnings about switching off? Um, well, they know they don't, it's called downtime, so it doesn't work like I don't allow it to work. She'd only get about an hour, maybe 
chores sometimes right. at the weekend okay. or maybe a little bit more at the weekend um, but to be fair no she spends a lot of time outside with her friends so it's all about TikToks and dancing and all that kind of carry yeah, on these yeah, react, you know yeah, yeah. So, See, all that so is fabulous and it's totally and utterly harmless. But in the world we live in, you don't know who could access them with regards to grooming. Oh, yeah, 100%. So you'd be taking the phone off all the time. And she's, do you know what? It's, it's, we use it kind of as a, it's a treat to get the phone. It's not just taken for granted that you have a phone all the time. She's allowed the phone when she, it's like a reward. Do you mm, get me? So, mm, mm. but last week we were on the car on the way home from the school run and the oldest girl was in the front seat and... She just said, um, Aoife, is that you? About the youngest girl. And she was at the seeing a requested friend, suggested friend to come up on Snapchat, which the younger one is not allowed to have. Mm. And she it's it's blocked on the family link. She was able to get, her, get Snapchat through um, Google. So she'd been able to go on the internet and somehow get onto Snapchat because all her friends have Snapchat. Mm. Mm. Do you get me? Yeah. I don't know how she did it. Yeah. She went red straight away. Then she nearly had, she she couldn't believe she'd been caught. Really, yeah. That's so, the, the kids are like that though. They will, you know. We oh we yeah, sure know. Be you aware that they will try and get around things, and they will be inquisitive. Inquisitive, you know. Yeah, yeah. So the phone got taken off her then again. So that was into that then for a while. So she's on warning now, like that the phone will be absolutely completely gone. So she's been as good as gold. Yellow um, card there. Oh, you, you raise yeah. another topic. There. You know, card. I don't know, you, like how many you were in your family when you were growing up. Were you the oldest, the youngest? Were you an only child? Or oh. I'm the oldest girl. Yeah, yeah and I have two brothers, two younger brothers. And isn't it, isn't I, it true that the oldest had the toughest time of it with regards to the rules and the regulations? Like brothers and sisters came, and by the time the last child was born, of course. Parents oh, were yeah, completely chill. Yeah, totally chilled. The parents yeah. were completely relaxed. Kind of. <laughs> well, I can see that now myself. I used to be wondering when my younger buddy was going to murder, but I can see it now myself. Like <laughs> yeah. that we're trying to to have the same rules the whole way across yeah. the board. It's very hard. Like it's very hard. Cause it's, like a new parent, yeah. new child. You haven't a clue. Like, but after you've no. had a few of them, you kind of get into the swing of how it's, how it all works. You know. <laughs> yeah, they're, yeah, they'd be grand. Yeah, no, this is it's dodgy. Like, and so yeah. No, so just to be aware of that, the family link is great. If I had my time back, she'd still have her block yeah, until the end of next year. Like, do you know, I'm I'm, I'm actually savage that I gave in. But um, I would 100% agree, no phones till first year because they don't need them. They have friends. They can talk to them outside school. They're doing all these after school stuff. You know what I mean? That they see see people at. They can watch television with their families. Well, you see a few, or, but you see, if you hear you know, of murder cases like Anna Kriegel or the Brianna Gay one in the UK recently, that's awfully, awfully tragic story of a girl who was yeah. stabbed to death by two pals. Like, you, you would think that, oh my God, a phone would be very, very handy to keep them safe. That's where the small, the small Nokia's come in so handy, Neil. Like, Aoife had one now, and even my oldest girl, Nolia, she was like, right, um, we gave her, she had the most basic, terrible phone from like 11 on. And mm. the only reason was so that if she was at training or if anything happened to her, she had an emergency phone. She wasn't allowed in school at all. There's no phones allowed in their schools anyway. And if they need to take a phone into school, it has to be handed up to the teacher in the primary yeah. school. Now I mean, mm. and my oldest girl has had her phone confiscated in secondary school. She was caught on her phone in secondary school and had it confiscated. I was going to get the phone back. As in, you know what I mean? on so the phone they, under the desk inside in the class or something, was it? Yeah, yeah. that happened like once and she's been smart enough not to do that now since, do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah. Which is brilliant. The schools are on top of it, to be fair to them. Do you know what I mean? So, 
But um, nice yeah, okay. you, you just they just shouldn't have them. And if you do need to give them a phone, give them a little block, yeah. Okay, well and said, Melissa. Well, thank you, know you for I mean? that. Appreciate it. I was mentioning, <laughs> yeah, that's all you can yeah. play on Nokia is the snake, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> and it's perfect, you know. The <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, welcome to the dinosaur you. days. Um, interestingly, though, um, and and it was quite alarming when we when we heard of the death of Anna Kriegel, but the trial over the death of Anna Kriegel, who was killed in Dublin in 2018, heard that um, the 14-year-old had been subjected to intense cyberbullying in the months leading up to her death. And also, one of her murderers, Boy A, had around 12,000 pornographic images on his device. Text 0868104106. I know you wanted to jump in just briefly there quickly, Kevin, on uh, the amount of money that can be run up. um, I'd say, for instance, if somebody was doing an Xbox thing or a, or a PlayStation game, is it? Yeah, it's like, you know, when I was younger and we had PlayStations, it was like you go into the shop and you buy your game and you put the game in and you bought your spent or whatever, 50 or 60 or whatever it was for the game at the time and you got your game and that was it. Whereas now it's, first of, first of all, there's very phys- few physical discs in, in the way that there was before you used to be able to buy a box with a disc and put it in the, the PlayStation mm. that used to work mm. now it's all downloading online so it's all downloads and updates and etc etc et and you have to pay for those so you have to pay for the base game so the base game might be less expensive let's say but what happens now is they do these as we were saying there about these microtransactions so if you want to get further in the game or if you want to get like I don't know on Fortnite I know for example there's certain kind of like um, celebrations or costumes that you can get for your character you have to pay extra okay. for that okay. so the so credit who's, card whose card is it whose card it's is probably mum or dad's card for kids if they're playing or you know like if you want to so that's why four grand can be run up or eight grand or ten grand and that would never have been the case before but like in, like, in FIFA say soccer can you yeah. do you buy players and there's cost you money for a transfer yeah fee? so FIFA has this new so again FIFA's a perfect example right FIFA used to be single player you'd play your season you'd pick your team and off you went right and many a year to high had I the Arsenal 98 team in FIFA 99 that was Gaelican days but now they have this new kind of game mode that they've brought in and all the EA games have brought in and all the sports games have it where they it, in FIFA's one it's called Ultimate Team right so it's kind of like a fantasy football type thing where you buy packs of cards then with the cards you get players and then you can put them in your team but how so like for example you could have an Ultimate Team that has Messi up front Pele in midfield Lev Yashin in goal you know Gary Neville at right back and Dean. <laughs> Zidane yeah you could have all the legends or you could have all the current best players so you could have Erling Haaland and, and they are the most they're the most difficult the rarest the hardest but you can get. buy them but yeah well the way they do it is you can't go and buy players directly well I know you can swap them but uh, anyway that's another thing down the road but mainly how you get them is by buying packs it's like um, it's like you know when you play trading cards and you buy packs of trading cards and you'll be looking for that one card mm. but you'd spend the equivalent of five that's or six right. packs together we all do that's that. how FIFA's done so you buy the packs and then and does FIFA take into account at all that a lot of the people that they're pitching this towards are underage I I I I would be shocked if FIFA don't know the demographics okay. of the people okay. who play their games like they're, and then you see the ultimate team you play online so you play against other people so the better teams you have you know like obviously when you play online with people you said you get so a bit more into it you get a bit more competitive Is there a chance that a child underage could be 14, 15 whatever the case maybe 12 or 11 playing a FIFA game with somebody in supposedly South America or the USA Anywhere. that they, they don't know that this could lead to grooming um, 
Yes, I I don't know what controls there are on, on, on in terms of like whether certain words trigger. But is there a photograph of the child, like an icon that. on the no, child? No, I, I they, they they'd all have like what would be called an avatar, avatar. which is kind of okay. like a, a, yeah. a picture or something. Okay. So like it isn't, uh, and you know, there's no real names; it's all usernames, and you know, I presume IPs are blocked, and that's so there's some level of protection. But like if. I just don't. If, for example, um, you know, a child was playing with somebody who has had a bad intention, and they started to strike up a conversation with them while they were playing, and then they became friends on PlayStation, and then the conversation continued, it's another avenue. But I would say it's an awful lot of work for a child groomer okay. to go and get, learn how to play FIFA and all that. They probably would just go to like a chat board or like an internet forum or the one of those type I'm Facebook, you know, like, but. I think the microtransactions is something that's like and this it, is how they're running up it used not happen at all and now it's overtaken like video games okay, like you cannot any, move for let's see if anybody has had big bills that they weren't aware of by exactly from the reasons you're talking about there I appreciate that text 0868104106 can I stay with her, our children if you don't mind because one of the topics of conversation we had on Friday uh, had to do with a guest speaker at a school mass now the service was at St. Joseph's uh, Church in Wilton and it uh, resulted in a large volume of complaints from parents uh, with regards to what the guest speaker had to say using terms like gender benders, uh, talking about, um, you know, divorce being the root of all evil, homosexuality and uh, going on about Eurovision's Ireland's Eurovision entry, Bambi Thug, uh, who's uh, non-binary now. Um, Gwelskol Irida have told parents that uh, they uh, met with the Bishop Fintan Gavin uh, uh, last Friday. And that in the future now, new alternative arrangements will be in place for all sacramental celebrations. Um, it's not clear, according to Cork Bio, if the arrangements going forward mean that the school will no longer deal with the, the local priest, Father Michael O'Leary. He invited the controversial speaker uh, to make the comments that the speaker did at the grandparents' uh, mass on January 30th. Now, the man in question told the students to take a colour, as in go to sleep. And then spoke for 20 minutes. Uh, so I'm talking about all of the different things that I just, that I just mentioned there. Um, apparently, neither Father O'Leary nor Bishop Gavin um, could be contacted for comment. They're not saying anything. But certainly the guest speaker caused a deal of consternation among parents and several walked out of the ceremony in protest. But it is understood that the priest had been of the belief that the speaker would be talking about intergenerational faith issues. Probably would put the children to sleep, I suppose. Uh, but with that in mind, I did receive a text and it came off air on Friday saying the school, and it's important you say this, didn't invite the speaker at all. Uh, the priest invited the speaker and the school did not know that he would be there. The speaker at the mass was completely unexpected, was organised by the priest. And at the end of the mass, he said, I have a surprise for you. Uh, now, a special guest. The school thought the mass was over and then this surprise came on. The school itself is absolutely devastated over this. And among the conversations then, of course, we had been talking about people who would be non-binary, who would prefer to be referred to as they or them, as opposed to him and her, or she and he. Just a few texts on that ahead of the break. Uh, Neil Prendival, the people at Cork are quickly going to refer to you as another media sheep. You just apologised live on air for calling the Eurovision singer a her. You said, I apologise, I should have said they. Then the person on the phone said we are ignorant, not calling people they and them, and actually said it was just a handful of people. 
All the people in my life are extremely decent, I can tell you. Respectful people who say nothing and don't do anything bad to any other humans. But not one person, any of us, will be saying they and them when speaking about one human being. It simply won't be happening. So that person is simply either lying or away with the fairies saying that we are a handful of people. There are many people who will refuse to use these pronouns. Another one, John says, it's very sad that the girl opening the gay night spot uh, says that people have to accept the way things are now and get on board. As a gay man who fought for years to be accepted as such, I encounter very little homophobia. But I am enraged that this idiotic ideology where people are trying to say that there are more than two genders are so arrogant and say that everyone is wrong and that they are right. The they-them nonsense is putting gay acceptance back decades and people need to stop pandering to these people. A simple biology class should suffice in educating people to the fact that you're either male or you're female and there is no other gender. Neil, you're a great presenter, uh, but you're being led down the garden path by these people and please God, all this nonsense will come to an end in the not-too-distant future. By the way, nobody I know Nobody, young or old, gay or straight, buys into this nonsense. Keep up the good work, but please stop pandering to utter nonsense, says John. And the final one you give, these people, which I hate the term these people, far too much airtime. We are completely destroyed as a nation without giving gay people all of the power to promote themselves. You're a man or a woman. You're gay or straight. End of story. These people have too much of an agenda to turn our kids gay. Shame on you for giving them so much airtime. You're a he or a she. End of story. You're kind of confusing me there. Um, one part of your text says you have an issue with non-binary. You say you're a he or a she. And then the other side of it, you're saying we are destroying the nation by giving gay people all the power to promote themselves. A person who is gay or straight is entitled to say what they wish to whomever they wish, as long as it doesn't incite hatred, it may have a varying or different opinion, and that includes their preferred sexuality. So is it gay people, or is it non-binary, or is it both? Text 0868104106 on that one. And one final word then uh, by uh, email. Uh, Don't know if Anthony is actually due on air or not, but he does say, regarding our Eurovision entry, I am shocked and amazed. It is no longer relevant as a contest and has little to do with the good song or the performer anymore. Firstly, what is the relevance of a performer's sexuality or gender identity in the first place? It's supposed to be a song contest. Bambi is more famous already for her witchcraft and non-binary status rather than the actual song, which is just usual rubbish. It's not actually, in my opinion. I think it's a great song. I have also more respect for myself than to ask a person how are they instead of how are you? I have no doubt it's all attention-seeking on behalf of them and it is serving them well. In the Eurovision, now long, now long time established as a freak show, uh, I'm sure that uh, they or she, Anthony says she, will do well. And if she does win, I hope there will be enough ambulances to rush to the boardroom of RTE when they get the bill to host it and they're collapsing into yet another heap, as in the cost of hosting Eurovision. And that by email to neil at uh, redfm.ie. Just a quick one ahead of the ad break, if you don't mind. John, good morning. 
Good morning. Uh, lots to do with uh, our children this morning and I saw that we were posting at the weekend and a big response to it on Facebook about uh, the ever-increasing amount of parents who are taking their children out of school for holidays, usually early summer ones. Your thoughts on that? Well, to be honest, I totally agree with it, Neil, because... You need only look out your nearest window now today and look at the weather. True. It's damp, it's dreary, it's dull. And I I think people would take out their children for a multitude of reasons, but I would say probably the main reason would be cost. And the cost of holidays since the pandemic now is absolutely skyrocketed. And I've noticed since my lads have went into secondary, do you know when they turned 13, Neil? They're down as an adult. Yeah. And in what way an adult? Oh, if uh, like a flight or a holiday, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. When when they turn thirteen and we, the holiday goes up hugely. And if we go now, for instance, on holidays, we'll say in April or May, compared to even July this year, we'd be saving over a thousand euros. Actually, you know what? I can't disagree with that. Families are saying they can save up to €2,000 by travelling in term time. They can, and that's absolutely correct. And with the cost of living and with the cost of everything, like, you're nearly forced to know, Neil, to do something like that because going, you see, going in, in, we'll say, July or August or even June to a point, like... It's it's so difficult now for families. And if you think about it, Neil, realistically as well, a lot has changed in the last number of years. And a lot of families now, we'll say, compared to, we'll say, 20, 30 years ago, there's the mother is working, the father is working, they're working shifts. Like, it's go, 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 and it's constant, daily grind mm. all the time. Mm. And, you know, if you can get away on holidays for a week or two weeks, March, April, May, I would say go for it. It's probably May, I'd say, is it? It's probably maybe late April and across the month of May, or would it be earlier? Like, for instance, you could, well, no matter where you yeah. want to, like, you'll get sun anywhere now at any time of the year, you know. So, like, you know, you'll, like I think there'll be places in April and May where you'll still get your 26 and 28 degrees, right? You will, and it's probably more April and May, but I yeah. do know families. I actually know a few families, Neil, that go away in March for a week and they go away in October for a week and they'd save more than a person who was on a regular but, family But holiday. hold on a second. Uh, doesn't that then result in the child or the family being reported by the school to the likes of Tusla? Because there's stats out now saying that Tusla estimates that the number of absences at primary level due to holidays, it was 65,000 in 2019, the amount of kids that were out on holidays during term time, 65,000. In 2022, that had ballooned to 350,000 children were on holidays during term time. 350,000. Of course, it ballooned, Neil. Do you know why? cost? The reason it ballooned, well, well, yeah, but it wasn't just that either. People weren't allowed to go on holidays for a couple of years, and then when the opportunity arose, sure, people took it as well. And I think, personally, if, even if you went for, we'll just say, a week in, in March or April or a week in October, I think that's sustainable. No, I would disagree, Neil, all right. We'll just say, no, you went for a block holiday for three or four weeks, we'll just say, to, the, to America or something Australia like that. Australia, maybe, or, yeah, whatever. Or Australia. I wouldn't necessarily agree with that because I think if, if you're out definitely more than two weeks, 
like we have to take education into account to some degree now to be fair but I think a week maybe or a week twice a year I, like I think it's actually good for a family and it's good for the children and, and do, the, do the families um, do they inform the schools or is it a case that one day the start of May the child isn't there for a fortnight or how, how does that I mean have you actually done it well, I, I actually haven't done it. I, I know parents that have, and even one of the lads, no, one of my lads, uh, to give an example, one of his buddies was actually away, not the week on, but the week before. They were actually away for holiday. And to be fair, Neil, they do inform the teachers or the principal in school, generally, from what I'm told. And I don't think it's a huge, big deal, really, unless it's a, like three or four weeks or a big kind of block holiday mm. but I mean the pressure that's on no I mean you know yourself you're only way looks different for you you're only way on holidays yourself but to get away on holidays no, with the daily grind meal everything is pressure no. It's yeah, pressure, and, pressure, pressure and I, and I accept is. the fact that there's a lot of money to be saved I mean you can't argue with that if you go outside of peak season and you have two or three children and they're all deemed so you get an, an, a family of four or maybe five it could be the difference and between you see, a couple of grand a lot of people to be fair no, they actually can't really afford to go away in July and August and I think that's really why they do it it's budgetary reasons because like if they don't go away, we'll say in April and May, they might not get away at all. And you know yourself, uh, you wait then to go away in July and you go up the country to Galway or Mayo and it's raining for the week. True enough, if you're lucky enough to get a guest house or a, If you're even lucky enough to get a guest house or a hotel these days. Well, I, I suppose even in Ireland now, you probably can't even go away. It's so expensive. But the way I look at it, I'd say more power to the people okay. once you're not abusing it. Okay, and just, just very quickly then, so you have kids of, um, would they be smartphone age? They would, yeah. The one lad now is 16, the other fellow is just 13, and they have phones. I'd say, Neil, since about nine years of age, I think when the communion came in around this, they were all getting phones, and my lads didn't. And they were under pressure. I waited about a year, year and a half. And the problem is, Neil, the system has you, because as much as you try and you wait and you wait... All their friends really do have phones. They're in all these groups, Snapchat groups, yeah. every kind of group, and they're missing out. So they're and out of it, and they tell you that that they're they're not. They included. tell you that, and they are. And what happens then in the end is really and truly because I like I wouldn't be the most technological person, and I did try and wait, but I found to my own detriment that my lads were losing out, and in the end, you you actually have no choice because even in the schools, Neil. They kind of use the phones as well. Yeah. And yeah. you really are Catholic. Yeah, good, good stuff. Listen, lovely chatting with you, John. Thank you for that. Show. Can I just say a big shout out to the boys and girls of Knockapage? Page? <laughs> to the boys and girls of Knockapage. Page. Well said, John. Take care. Thanks, Neil. Get Bye-bye. in touch, guys. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. The Neil Prendival Show on Red FM. Conversation that matters. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106 as we say good morning to Emma. Good morning. Good morning. Okay, so uh, I was giving you the stats earlier on. Tussler saying that uh, the last year that we can look at is 2022 when there were 350,000 primary level students absent due to holidays during term. Your thoughts on that? I do it every year. Um, 
my children are young. They are seven and five, so junior infants and first class. But um, I'm, as I said, I'm just back from a week in Centre Park last week. Okay. Um, so they were they were out from Monday to Friday. Um, there was nine kids with us all together and six adults with three lodges full. And um, they had an absolute ball. And I don't think they missed that much in school. I spoke to their teachers before they went and um, if they wanted to give them any additional work for the weekends before or after they came back. And I didn't receive any. Um, they said, go and enjoy yourself. Mm. Um, go and, and enjoy yourself. Stayed. So it's become... Yeah. In the sense that it's it, it's commonplace enough, is it? Do you do you know of other parents or kids that do? Yeah, like there was another family up there from the same school at the same week. Um, so it, look, it, I went there for five days, and we got it for half the price if we went Friday to Monday. Okay. Um, okay. Would it be so something you considered in May as opposed to like do you, like let's say typically traditionally you go on a two week holiday in the summer? Would would you do that? Yeah, I have a week booked in September already. Okay, and is that during term? Term, yeah. Okay, all right, okay. So, so um, the child doesn't get reported or anything to Department of Education or marked as absent? I haven't been, I haven't, they'll get marked as absent, I get to submit the reason. Um, I I suppose I'm only three years into primary school for my children, but in, in my son's first year of primary school, he missed 35 days. Um, because now one was we were away for two weeks because we had a family wedding abroad but the rest of it was because of COVID and symptoms All right. so okay. he wasn't allowed into school and nothing, nothing was done Well there was nothing typical or average about COVID so so is it is it commonplace enough? The, the numbers would seem to dictate yes that in 2022 I think, I, Well I think it is as in there's nobody, any person I've said Oh, and going on holidays in midterm. No, I've never come across any backlash from anyone, mm. families in the area or outside of school. Um, like, I wouldn't be taking them out every five minutes. Yeah. But um, I think if you're able to, you know they can catch up, you know that you're not taking them out. Like, we're going away again in a couple of weeks or two days, so they missed two days of school. Like, I try and keep it under 20. Um, but if they're sick, like, if they, like, my daughter's waiting to get her tonsil out, if she gets them out, she'll be out of school for a couple of weeks. And... So what what you motivates know, you to, to take the that. trips and breaks like you do? Is it money? Yeah, cost wise, like it's much it's it's much much cheaper to go um, at these times. We go with families, our own family in January. Um, like we have other relations who come with us, so it suits us all to go. Um, but like it it's half the cost. As I said, if I went Monday to if I went Friday to Monday to Centre Parks rather than Monday to Friday, it's double the cost. Um, and, and would it be the same, it say, in July, a fortnight in Spain or Portugal yeah. or Greece or whatever? 100%, yeah. yeah. And look, my children, like I have one fella, he, he wouldn't be able to go in July or August. He'd, be, he'd die in the heat. Um, I'd die in the heat. I couldn't go at that time of year. Um, so going in September suits me, either June or September. But this year we're going in September. Um, and But the cost is, like, I'd rather do more trips than one one week in the summer and be or be able to do a couple of trips throughout the year with them. Mm, mm, mm. Cost wise, it just it just you know, and I think they learn a lot more travelling. There's lots of things out, you know, there's lots of things you can learn that isn't book based and isn't school based. Um, and as I said, I've never had any backlash from the, my children's school. Um, and you know, I, I I don't know of any family who have had any backlash. Well, um, you, you, it's not as if you're not telling them the reason why you're telling them no, that I'm not they're, lying. they're, no, they're, no, they're I, going on I holidays I and they're saying... And I wouldn't okay. expect my children to go and lie to them. No, you know, I know no principal has ever said, well, actually, you know, you can't do that during term time. I mean, no. No, nobody says. I, I guess it's just quite commonplace then. 
Yeah, I well, look, I think it's very common. As I said, I know lots of people who do it, or they might go early in June rather than the end. Um, like, it, it just, if you're going to save a couple of thousand euro, like, it's not small pence, do you know what I mean? It's substantial amount of money. Yeah, it is. It's huge, and you, I mean, it means a difference of one or two holidays in the year. We get some text on this. Thank you so much, Emma. Appreciate it. When our kids were young, I approached the school principal asking if it would be okay to take them on a foreign holiday during school term. His reply was, travel is one of the best forms of education. I cannot see what the fuss is about and Tusla needs to wind their necks in. Kids are only young once and yes, the holiday price during school breaks are total robbery. Another one, this is ridiculous. A school cannot dictate when a parent takes their children on holidays. Holidays are fast becoming luxuries these days due to the cost of living. If a family can go away and it's immensely cheaper off-season, go for it. Travel is education. Life is short. Enjoy it. These are memories a child will remember forever. Education isn't just sitting behind a desk in a classroom. It comes in all shapes and forms. Text 0868 104 106. Text or WhatsApp Neil now. 0868 104 106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. I don't know what it is. You hear all of these, um, you know, flights for a tenner or flights for 20 euro with your Ryanairs or EasyJets or Wiz or whatever. I can never seem to find them. Cork to Barcelona return flights with Ryanair. Two adults and one teenager aged 12 to 15 and another child under 12. So this would be two adults and two children. Return flights of Ryanair to Barcelona in April, 120 euro. In July, 415 euro. So you can see over three times the price. And that's good. There's some more examples of that coming in, which we'll come back to after 11. It should be illegal to take kids out of school. What's more important, mum and dad going on a drinking holiday and taking the kids with them or your child's education? I would like to think parents would make their children's education top priority. And there is somebody that assumes that far too many parents are just going off on their halls with the kids on a drinking holiday, which is a very broad sweep of the brush, I think. Totally have and will continue to take my kids out during term. Life is so short. Let the kids enjoy being with their families and making memories that they will always treasure. Um, this came up recently with my dad, who's a former teacher, and his view was always this. If the attendance was good, excluding medical reasons, the holiday is usually more beneficial. It also benefited him when a parent who he showed flexibility to was working in the airport and returned him the favour. <laughs> in what way? In what way was the favour returned? <laughs> like what? He was rushed through, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like that. It's very honest. I know, but like you'd wonder, like as in VIP treatment at Cork yeah, Airport. You bags, can't beat it, Neil. The bags should have been checked and weren't checked. Yeah. I mean, what about the rest of us on the flight? Ah, uh, now don't be so suspicious. I'd say he was just given a little bit of VIP treatment in the Aspire Lounge or something. Couple of pints and a <laughs> yeah, toasted you know, sandwich. Or after. Right, okay. Thank you for correcting me. Anyway, over to you. The Neil Prenderville show on Red FM. Conversation that matters. Neil Brand of a show with Mercedes-Benz Cork and it's good to have Mercedes-Benz on board. So pick up the phone on 0818 Um Some more examples then uh, that Kevin has got for me with regards to people who might take a break outside of term because it's cheaper and the numbers and the figures uh, stack that up. One bedroom bungalow in the Costa Brava, say you were camping on a campsite there, uh, the 22nd to the 29th of April, uh, €782. Euro. 
the 1st to the 8th of July, 1,166 euro. So there's a big difference there, isn't there? Um, working uh, on numbers in maybe April or May as opposed to July or indeed August. So keep them coming. A lot of texts on this. Uh, flights in the summer are 3,000 euro for my gang versus 1,200 in May. Uh, sorry, not sorry. As in, I, I guess you're saying to me, uh, I know the I know the flights you're going to be booking. Yes, I definitely would go unless it was an important exam year. Uh, they are still learning by traveling and learning about the places they go to. So a holiday is like a pure geography trip um, on whether or not people should or shouldn't do it. Of course, it's the only time families can afford to travel abroad or even around Ireland these days. Hotels and flights double or treble in price once there's a bank holiday weekend or if it's summertime. So people are forced to go outside of inside of term time as opposed to summer holidays. 100% I would take my child out of school for a holiday. Tusla needs to wake up and worry about the kids they're already letting down, not the ones that are loved and looked after. Morning, I see it from both sides. Families can get cheaper holidays, which we all know. But if lots of people take their kids out of school, it must be very frustrating for teachers in the class. And there are others. My kids, my choice. It's all grand for schools to close schools for training days whenever it suits them. Travelling is educational. I think the schools should keep the children so that parents can go away for weekend breaks themselves or a week break away from their children. <laughs> that's, kind of like, that's a novel idea, isn't it? It really and truly is. Anyway, back to the phone as we go. Uh, Martina, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Thank you so much for your text. It's always better to chat. Talk to me about this topic. What are your thoughts on it? Well, I agree with the parents taking their kids out of school um, during term because of the price of the holidays. It's crazy. But the school in care where I live now this year, the school calendar is after falling in a positive way for us. There's a week in May that we can go on a holiday. And we're we're going on a holiday from the 6th of May, which is the bank holiday Monday, and they're off the rest of that week. Why? And, what? So um, is the school is facilitating this, is it? Well, it doesn't fall that way every year. It's after falling that way this year. It didn't fall that way last year, what? and it fell that way why? the year before. Why, why is it that the school is not opening for the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? Um, they usually have a week for their midterm in February, right? But this year, they're after moving it on to May. So the week is in May instead of February. Okay. So it's handy for us to go on holidays. And is, the, on is that it moved so that people can get cheaper holidays? I don't think so. It's just the way it falls. Okay. But it's handy. It's okay. very handy. And you know? would you and compa- can you compare prices for me then? Like Yeah. You can. Um, we're myself and my two girls are going to Spain in May that week, and we're after getting an all-inclusive holiday for the three of us. Flights out of Shannon for sixteen hundred. Okay. Yeah. But if we were to go in June, July, or August, you're going to end up nearly paying a thousand or maybe more, possibly. On top of that, okay. Well, all so inclusive is, is not holding back. Like it's, that's the flights, no, it's very breakfast, good. lunch, yeah. dinner, everything. Yeah, yeah. the works. Yeah. yeah, everything. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's it's great. I'm delighted. Like we're after finding that, and I'm delighted the school calendar fell in our favour this year, so that we can 
go. But I would have no crumbs in taking the kids out of school in February. Even if it was the junior ever. cert year or a leaving cert year? Yeah, and they were not on an exam year, but... Um, any, any other, other year, yeah. Okay, yeah. all right, appreciate that. Thank you. Text 0868 104 106. Text or WhatsApp Neil now 0868 104 106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Taking them out for the last two years and the last week of finishing school in June early. It's only a few days and there's not much happening then. Last year, to fly out on a Tuesday, two days before they finished school to the Saturday of the same week, we saved 1,500 euro. You can really see the temptation, can't you? Uh, we took them out uh, for a year. We took them out for a year during COVID and no one batted an eyelid. I definitely take them out for a week or two in Spain. Morning, I worked in a school and I can assure you that a week out is no harm. Let's put it this way. If a teacher is out sick for a week and unless the principal can get a sub, the children are divided into different classes from second class to sixth. The kids are given pictures to colour and the simplest of academic challenges so the class teacher has little interaction with them as possible. Um, yeah, I suppose that's a, a good comparison, but how often would that happen? Uh, if you were out for a week or two and it was a non-exam year, uh, would you be behind when you came back? You know, particularly younger children with reading or writing or mathematics or spelling, I don't know. Uh, kids were out of school for over 140 days during the pandemic and wasn't that fine. I'm sure most principals have more important things to worry about than which students are going to Lanzarote on their holidays. Um, can I just pick up on that point, actually? Do you know something with, with COVID and, you know, the huge disruption to to children and young people, not all teenagers actually went back to school or um, not all of them went back and were comfortable back in school. Uh, I think there was a, um, don't have the figures or the numbers, but I just know anecdotally of, of stories where some didn't go back at all uh, for leaving certificate or, you know, had done their junior cert and COVID came along and just decided, no, can't do it and didn't actually uh, go back to school. With a child who has autism and other medical conditions who spends a lot of time in hospital throughout this year, if I get the opportunity to take my son away for a break, I certainly take it. He's nine going on ten. Last year for his birthday, we brought him away as we were given the all clear from his specialists between his appointments. We jumped at the opportunity. The school our kids go to have no issue with it, I can tell you. They understand there's more to learning and education than just academia. And there's loads more like that, which I will come back to again between now and quitting time but there's a story that broke last week uh, and thankfully um, it it was one of those stories that obviously the family were beside themselves with worry and then through the intervention uh, of a particular woman, a Portuguese woman called Marta Gonzaga, the family got good news about their missing uh, son, um, brother I suppose Dennis Ring, do you remember that story that was making the news last week uh, he fell out of contact with his family while he was on holidays in Portugal and they started to fear the worst. I'm just picking up on a uh, development over the weekend that was reported in, in Corkbio. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a lovely story of how things actually worked out but when you have a loved one overseas you have always got the worry that they're safe. So I'm talking about Dennis Ring and I'm joined by, uh, by Eileen Ring, his, his sister Eileen. Good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? So he's all, was he off with, with buddies, is it, on a break? No, he actually, Dennis lives in Lisbon. He um, lives there he, he anyway, okay. Yeah, Yeah, he lives there. He's lived there for the past couple of years. Okay. He, he works um, for an American company and he works remotely. So, um, yeah, like, like, there like many people years. do now. You can work and live remotely overseas and hold down the same job. But he, So he'd know Lisbon well. What happened? What's your understanding of what happened? 
I suppose we don't we still don't really know and look there's a police investigation balance that and hopefully I suppose we will know in the fullness of time and um, he doesn't really have much recollection of it um, or any recollection of it but I suppose look we'd, we'd kind of we'd always be somebody in contact with him and we'd be messing on you know memes online and all these things and um, my brother had been on to him late Sunday night um, as had a few of my aunts as had I as had a friend of his in the States and then from then on there just seemed to be nothing there's like um, four days was, without a word or no response wasn't it yeah yeah and like that's not unusual like if, if he's not on whatsapp or something like that but he'd be somewhere online because that's the nature of the world really isn't it and yeah. the fact that he works online um, so I was able I emailed his um, the company he works with and like I suppose they got back and said like no like we're really concerned we've been ringing place in Lisbon they're, they're in Denver in Colorado and We've been ringing hospitals, we've been ringing everywhere um, because he's never missed a meeting and he's after missing four at this point. Oh my God, you must have been beside yourself with worry. Last seen at an Irish bar, I think, in Lisbon itself, was it? Yeah, O'Gillian's um, would kind of be his local, essentially, yeah. over there. Yeah. Um, owned by Sean there, he's a great lad and they're great buddies, you know. So um, I rang there um, and to be fair, like, I mean, I could he himself the owner himself was away but he just said to the staff like do whatever you can to help these people and Jesus and they, they really took him at his word like because Gabriella one of the girls who worked there like she just went so above and beyond for us for the few days because um, I suppose like one thing I, I and I spoke, spoke to a few friends about it like if you have someone abroad if it's on holidays that they're living like have a couple of contacts have a couple of their friends phone numbers have it a couple of ties because that was I suppose what we didn't have because Dennis of course is the baby and we're probably all a bit too nosy so he likes to be private um, so we didn't really have these contacts for people I know um, but you I must have been beside yourself with worry four days with a guy you were constantly in contact with last seen leaving an Irish bar you think the worst that was mugged or he was attacked or he fell somewhere do you know what I'm saying? Oh very much so and like your mind goes to the darkest of places and I think I'd be quite kind of a positive person but like it's the unknown and it's every family's worst nightmare place. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really is so when did Marta Gonzaga come into the picture? So on the Thursday morning, um, I just said, like, I think we're going to have to go on social media with this because it's, good. It's, the, it's the biggest reach we're going to have. And he's kind of distinctive looking because of his beard. And um, surely someone might have seen him. So um, I started posting on, on Thursday morning and Thursday lunchtime. So my dad and my brother were on, were on a flight to Lisbon and at about Thursday lunchtime, I'd seen a comment um, under... Now, bearing in mind, you've written a lot of comments and just a comment saying, I think I found him. And then I went into my messenger and I'd missed calls from, from Martha. So I rang her and she said, look, I think I, I, I think this is the hospital he's in. I'm, I'm 90% sure it's him. I sent him pictures, but they don't want to give information because I'm not family. So she got like the number of the ward she thought he was in. What? Um, an an email amazing, yeah. what an amazing piece sure. of detective work. Do you mind if I bring Marta in for that section of the conversation? No, I'd be, I'd be absolutely excited. So would I. Marta, good morning. Hi, good morning. Well good morning. done. Uh, Neil, well, Eileen. Well done. Thank you. What? So you spotted it on the appeals on social media. What did you decide to do? Call an hospital immediately. Like, okay, he was in this bar. I called the nearest hospital. First, I checked if there were answers or someone said found already, so I don't have to uh, redo the work. But when I realized no one uh, was updating with uh, good news, 
I called. It took like two minutes to decide. So you, and did you go to visit the nearest hospital? No, 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 no. It was all through the phone. Okay. So you picked up the phone and said what? So I, I rang to the emergency line of that hospital and uh, listen, someone's missing. Do you have a Dennis ring over there? And a Dennis said, ring, yeah, admitted to hospital. Yeah. And they said what? Yeah. And they said, uh, no, no one entered with that name. Okay, but he's missing. So what about without a name? Unidentified. And I said, that took a little while. But I said, yeah, we have someone uh, with no ID. And it looks like a foreigner. And did you give them a description then of Dennis? Yes. They, but not in the general line. They passed me to the to the unit, to the um, intensive care, and I described them through the picture. Um, and she said, and what about tattoos on his wrist? And Eileen, I believe, saw that too, that text, that comment. And uh, I said, that I don't know, I have to ask the family, but we were pretty sure it was him. And he did so have he a said, distinctive Harry Potter tattoo, which was confirmed. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But they couldn't give me more. Okay. So probably it's him. Uh, but uh, they, from now, we need family to reach us with the ID and the picture. And so they gave me a, an email address and a, a direct number. That's what I passed to Eileen. Yeah. Did you talk to Eileen or was it by Facebook Messenger or what? No, no, she called me. She called me when she saw the un, uh, the, 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 the phones. So the Eileen, it must have come as a huge relief, did it? The detective work yeah. of Marta. <laughs> it's, and I mean, it's incredible because his friends had called the hospital the night before. The police were aware he was missing. So, like, whatever powers of persuasion Martha had to get as much information as she did, and she's probably downplaying it. But I don't think it was maybe no, as straightforward as what, she, or as what she's making I, out, but she, she's incredible. She's an incredible woman because yeah. Dennis is a stranger. And, like, how many of us, we might share these posts, and that's brilliant, but how many of us look at these posts that, unfortunately, we see an awful lot and say, maybe I can do something to help. And she, she thought to herself, people that she has no idea, we're in a different country, she does not know us. And she said to herself, because... What can I do to help? And like the inherent yeah. goodness of, of her nature is just incredible. And in a time in a world that like we see the worst of humanity. We scroll by, else. girl. We just scroll by. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, like, as I said, we're, we're eternally grateful because it just meant my brother and my dad, when they, by the time they landed, we knew where he was. We got his friend up to the hospital straight away who had landed in, in Lisbon earlier that day. And like, as I said... She's, she's an incredible human being and as I said, I'm sure she's going to downplay it because that seems to be in her nature but like as I said I, I just think she's incredible and, and the kindness to strangers it's something I think it's baffling it really is like to me I think it's, it's truly incredible mm-hmm. Why did you so, do it? Yeah, sorry Marta, go ahead What I did different from what I'm hearing now it's because I asked them what about someone without a name? That's you know, I didn't accept the first answer as, no, we don't have Danny's here. Because I... Why yeah. did you take an interest in the first place, though? 
well, it's my nature when I think, oh, I, I know how to solve this, but uh, <laughs> I've been in the same situations also. So I travel a lot, my family travels a lot, and uh, we had situations that we had the help of strangers. So it's something you give, the universe gives back. <laughs> Uh, a few years ago, yeah, it's true. I know, I know, have... not disputing it for one moment. Not disputing yeah. it. <laughs> the, the, um, uh, uh, my sister, one of my sisters had something similar uh, in Barcelona a few years ago. It was quite dramatic. She's fully recovered, but she was, uh, she had a, a snake bite. And she took no antidote. So it was also someone that we didn't know that reaches out, took care of her while we were not arriving. So It's, it's about the kindness of strangers without cutting across, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. 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 Well done. Well done. And tell me, Eileen, because family are there now. Um, who's with them? Dad, is it? Or your brother and dad? Uh, or, or who? Yeah, my uh, my dad and my brother are there at the moment, and my okay. mom and I will will go he, over tomorrow and and, 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 come and home. if and, and you're going to travel yourself, and I don't mean to pry, but is he conscious or is he under sedation? He is, he is, so he's made brilliant progress. Like when the lads went over first last Thursday, like he wasn't, um, he was fully under sedation, and um, he was out, he had a bleed on the brain, and they had operated on that, but like since the lads arrived, and I don't know, is it knowing the voices and things? Um, He's just made remarkable strides, really. Like, um, he's out of ICU now as of yesterday and he's talking and he's given out to my brother, which is always a good sign, I think. Um, so, like, and he's been moved from ICU to a ward, which means kind of we're able to visit him a bit more freely. And he's, they took out the feeding tube yesterday so he's able to eat on his own. And it's really positive. And, like, with no doubt, I'm sure there'll be bumps in the road ahead. But, like, so far, it's been incredible. And... Um, oh, long may it continue and I, I do firmly believe is that you said like the universe Martha's talking about the universe and I, I believe in it like we've had so many many positive thoughts and prayers and um, it's, it's really hard not to be touched by it and ah, listen really it's a fabulous gesture of kindness it really is but there'll be people yeah. listening to this wondering do we know what happened to him no we, we, we don't um, like he had no phone he had no wallet he has no keys um, so I, he either fell and those were taken or, or they were taken and he fell um, there's a police investigation ongoing at the moment so look hopefully that, that we will know in the fullness of time but look if we do or we don't, the most important thing is that, that he's with us and, and that he makes a full recovery, totally. you know, because yeah, yeah, I said yeah. we really did think the worst. And when my dad and my brother were flying on, on, on Thursday morning, they thought they were going over to face um, like a very, very different scenario, you know. So, so you'll um, be able to piece it together as to whether maybe another kind stranger came upon him, called an ambulance or something like that and got him to a hospital. There may be more than just Marta involved in this story, you know. Yeah, and somebody did ring an ambulance, and that that's something I'm going to hopefully try to find out when I'm over there because I've said like I feel like I have an awful lot of people to thank, and I'm going to meet Martha when I'm over there, um, and just have a chat with her in person and thank her in person, and, and a few other people. Because, I know it must be very, it must be very exasperating as to how you can thank somebody enough. You know, is is it a gift? Is is it a hug? Is it like is it what? It's a hug. <laughs> oh Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god so you guys will hook up in the next couple of days then yeah we will yeah, yeah. when I'm over I'm going to be for a text and we'll meet up yeah alright well it might be nice to chat with you again later in the week if you have an opportunity to chat with us uh, Eileen 
but I'm delighted Perfect, no I'm delighted he's in good hands and a lot of that because of Marta Gonzaga well done Marta you're one in a million fair Thank play you. to you well Bye. done, well <laughs> done. You. take Bye. care take care take great care. story isn't it guys delighted for the family well done to Marta and love chatting to her and indeed Eileen and we wish Dennis Ring a speedy recovery text 0868104106 Call Neil now. 0818 104 106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Um, text on taking kids out for uh, summer holidays or breaks during term. Teachers have great hours. You know, primary school is finished early at half past two. There are lots of midterms and days off between. Most parents, meanwhile, work nine to five or shift work. Give parents a break, please. One other one for now. I never did it, not once, mainly because we haven't been able to afford holidays the past few years. But now everyone takes their kids out of school for holidays throughout the year. So I will be doing it too to get the best deal and not be charged more during the summertime. Um, and there's many more like that. I hope to maybe get back to them uh, at some stage. Uh, it's been a busy, busy morning. With uh, see a lot of texts coming in on bullying and then huge amounts with regards to kids and smartphones and things like that. Uh, and also, Eurovision is never far from your minds and what have you. But there was one text that popped in there earlier on and I read it out. I don't have it to hand now, but it was something along the lines of, I wish somebody could convince me that there is an afterlife. No one has any proof of it. I don't believe but is there anybody could convince me otherwise um, prompted actually a text from James much nicer to chat with people so James is that the text you're referring to from earlier this morning yes I heard that uh, Neil and I'm uh, you know listening to your program every morning for an hour after it's finished I'm, I have a lot of food for thought because I live and learn at my age now All right, and good. I'm listening Glad. and I'm listening this morning to you know uh, haven't we come a long way in this country six year olds now can afford Smartphone. Well, their fo- well, their parents they can, but their parents yeah. can. Yeah. Yes, and 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 we. I'm just saying, like, uh, and then there's the for- the foreign holidays. We're looking now that we we are able to send all our young people to university. It's cheaper to go to university here than it is in England or America, and uh, all of that. Uh, people won't like what I'm going to say now, Neil. All of that is down to Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael, Neil. They brought they brought this country a long way from the. My childhood in the 50s where we, we were in dire f- poverty. What are you about? People going out to work in the morning and paying taxes so the country can run, exist and uh, and wash its own face. Not politicians, people did this. Ah, well, Neil, the man who started that was Sean Lamass. And my father said to me, remember remember that man, you won't see the likes no, of him again. Not, I don't mean to speak ill of the dead, but like politicians can have aspirations and notions, but none of that works without people paying tax. That's, oh yes. Any any, course, any of the things that we should be proud of now is down to the people who provided the money to subsidise and yes. pay for everything. Yes, but the thing is that uh, we sometimes don't appreciate like w- what we have, Neil. Because if people remember, those fifties were a terrible time. The only summer holidays you'd in those days was the the people up here in the north side would go to y'all on the train for one day. Mm. That was the holiday. Mm. And now people have, you know... Ah, yeah, there was a lot that decamped as well from the north side and went down for the entire summer, in fairness to them. But I know what you're saying. It was a different world. Yes. There was no cheap following. And of course, abroad. also also now, as you know, migration in our day was only going one way out of the country. Yeah. Now people want coming from all over the world. Yeah, yeah for all kind sorts of, of our, This is a sign of our success, Neil. 
No, so I mean, I, you know, I, I just anyway, I won't, I won't argue the toss with you. I just wouldn't put it down to politicians. No, I'm not arguing. I'm just, I'm just saying that these things. No, you say we, we have to thank Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael. I, I, I personally. Well, they have a certain amount to do with it. I mean, the, the we knew other countries where they have utter corrupt governments like Mr. Putin and places like that. So we're lucky that we had governments that were reasonably decent and honest, you know. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And, okay. And also, also thank Ryanair. You know. Thank Ryanair as well, maybe. What do you think? Yes. Yes. Low cost uh, airlines making foreign holidays reasonable, but okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Anyway, I thought I thought it was um, trying to convince somebody that there is an afterlife. That text from earlier. Well, uh, well. Uh, the only thing I'll say about that, Neil, is of course, was probably easier for me because I grew up, in, you know, like you did, and all the people of my vintage in a Catholic household, and we were very much. The church was more, very much part of our life. But today, of course, young kids are not growing up in those type of households now, Neil. So they're not exposed like we were. But um, Very sweeping statement again to make. There are still families who put down Catholic and also practice faith, maybe Catholic, oh, yes. Protestant. Oh, well, I'm glad to hear that. Don't yeah. you, Neil? And I'm delighted children, to hear that. I'm, the I'm, children are reared in that faith, but it may not be as um, in the same amount of numbers as 40 or 50 years ago. Yes, that's right. Not the same number of numbers, but uh, but for for the person who, who who's looking to have a faith, what what I'll say about Neil is it, it didn't do me any harm. And anybody I ever talked to in my vintage who's had a faith all their lives, they never say to me, "Oh, I wish I never heard of God. I wish I never heard of the church." It's the complete opposite. They're very del- they're delighted that they had a faith because it's good to them uh, through tough times. Yeah. And also, of course, it gives them that hope that someday they'll be reunited with their loved ones that have passed on. It's, it's, it's an unquestionable, it's an unquestioning belief, isn't it? Whereas the texter wants proof. Ah, well, we can't have proof of everything, Neil, you know what I mean? So that way, well, you know, you can't have proof of everything. It's just that uh, whatever happens anyway, Neil, for people who have a faith, they cannot be disappointed when they die. Why? If there's no afterlife, you're disappointed, aren't you? No, if, 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 if oh yeah, you, you won't even person, you won't even know, I suppose. If you are, if you are, if you believe that uh, people were atheists and there is nothing, then you can't be say waking up and say, "Oh God, they were right, those atheists." There's nothing here. <laughs> you won't know, Neil. Like if anything. it's not if it's not there, no one will be disappointed because they won't know yeah. whether it. Yeah, um, but yeah. for but for an atheist, and there is something there. They're in for a right old shock when they can't get in there. Oh my God, they are! I'll be, I'll be able to say, "Hi, you were wrong, you were wrong." <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay. But, uh, All right, uh, but I, I remember when I was when when I was going to school, a, a, a professor came down from the university. He was a theologian. He was a, a priest, and he was asking. He was a very nice man, actually, and he was asking the boys, like, "Do they believe?" And one lad stood up. and He said, "Why should I believe, Father? Why should I believe?" And then his answer was, "Why not?" Why not? It won't do you any harm. And it'll actually do a lot of good to you while you're here. And, uh, and of course, people who do pray, they feel that connection to the people that have gone, Neil. They feel that Oh, listen, connection. absolutely. And I don't think for a moment that anybody's criticising somebody else's faith. He wants proof. He wants to know. He says, but do people believe in the afterlife? If so, does anybody have a story of proof? It's not about that. Yes, it's well, of course. There, 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 as you know, he was in he was in the scriptures, Neil, the doubting Thomas. Yeah, remember yeah. that in the, in the scriptures. Yeah. He wouldn't believe that the I Lord. Wonder, I wonder would would the proof be apparitions, though? You know, whether it was Knock or whether it was Fatima or whether it was Lourdes or whether it was a moving statue or whether it was, you know, um, oh yes, like the, yes, the, the, right the miracle there. cures at Lourdes. Is that the proof that somebody might need? Oh yes, 
and uh, yes, and uh, all of these appearances are right, Neil. A lot of people have mm. fully buy into that, and of course we know how popular knock is still. You know, usually popular still. People right. still going up there. Medjugorje and places like that, yeah. Yes, you're right. And then, of course, I, I was kind of wrong seeing it around. I, I, I sometimes, you know, I might come across as, you know, older people are trying to blame young people. But there's a lot of, as you said, there are a lot of young people still would have a certain, uh, have a belief, Neil. Because yeah. I, I see photographs there on the Irish Catholic magazine of pilgrimages going up to knock and big groups of young people, Neil. Yeah, okay. So, and fair play to them. That's what they want to do. Go for it. Okay, so much obliged to James. Much obliged. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Conversation that matters. Text 0868104106. That original text said, I know it might be a bit off the wall, but why do people believe in the afterlife? Anyone got a story? I want to believe, but I find it very hard to believe. Perhaps someone can change my mind. Um, it's an interesting text, and I'm glad I read it out, actually, because I'm starting to see responses to it. We had James there a few seconds ago, and here's Betty. Betty, good morning. Good morning, Neil. I'm very, How are you? I'm very sorry to hear about your dad, Christy. He was uh, he was 92 and passed away three weeks yes. ago. Is that right? He nearly he made his 93rd. Indeed. He did indeed. He did indeed. Yeah. yeah. Um, I do believe in the afterlife, Neil. I would like to think that he's reunited with my mum. I've always believed in the afterlife. Now, I might I might not go to church or anything, but I say my prayers yeah. and yeah. what you have. Yeah. And I know that my dad, um, the kind of night before he died, he was in and out kind of lucid and things. Yeah. And... He suddenly was there, and he he said for my mum to come in and sit down. So I reckon she came to meet him to bring him home. Oh, listen! There are many stories of that, aren't there, Betty? Yeah. Whether it's come in yeah. and sit down, or they're in the room, or at the, at the yes. end of the bed, or yeah. And 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 yeah. sometimes people push back and say, "Ah, yeah, but the person who was dying would have been on very strong medication, and they might no, be hallucinating." No, my dad was not on strong medication or anything. He was he was just there, and whoever else was there as well with him. He told my mum come in, and then he someone else was there as well, and he he say you saw if he met someone, and who have I here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and that's exactly what he said. So who not not I just here? the spirit, not just the spirit um, in body no, of your of your mother, but somebody yeah. else as well. Who was the other well, person? Yeah, who was the other person? I I don't know. We had two. We had a I had a cousin that died. Uh, and he was only in in his thirties in in the UK. So it could have been him, or it could have been our twin brothers that died when they were babies. Who knows? And was there any other conversation besides the fact that he welcomed your his wife in, his late wife in, told her to sit down? No, that was about it. He, he, he just kind of it was my sister was telling me because I wasn't there, yeah. and she told me yeah. that. Yeah. He welcomed her in and then kind of said, and who have I here? Did he pass away soon after that? He passed away the next day. He passed away the next day. He he's three weeks. He was three weeks dead yesterday. And do you take do you take an awful lot of consolation from that with regards to the fact that his I, wife, I, your mother, came to him at the end? Yeah. 
to be yeah, with him for the passing. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, I would, and and I I'll tell you, Neil. I I I when my mother died. I asked her for signs, and I, me and her had the thing with butterflies. And and the the couple of days after she died, I was sitting out the back, and there was about four or five butterflies, and one butterfly on on the up on on the out in the garden as well. You know, for 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 you, really, that's all you need, isn't it? That that yeah. just that's yeah. you know, you don't need any more than that. That is your consolation that yes. your father is with your mother, and there will come a time when yeah. you will be with them. You don't need anything yes. else besides that. No, no, I be, I I believe in the afterlife. I be, I believe that there yeah. is something there. Yeah. yeah, I don't like to think that we just maybe are cremated or buried or whatever and, and nothing else happens. Mm. But I think we, we I, I I think I had a neighbour that died the same way as well and she wasn't on heavy medication and she was in the hospital and she couldn't move before that and then all of a sudden she sat up and she put her hand out to the end of the bed um, for whoever had come for her. Yeah. We hear of that. And and somebody who has no power or strength at all of us all of a sudden yes. getting she the power of no the Duracell bunny and sitting up in the bed. Yeah. 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 She couldn't move before that. Yeah. 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 And I, like, know I, know, I, I know that. I know you know. Yeah. You know. And it's not proof. Like I know someone is looking for proof, but how can you prove it? You can only go by what you see. And, and with my mum coming in and coming for him and everything. And and that's the only consolation we can take. All right. Okay. Well said. Well said. Lovely chatting with you. Thanks so much for taking Thank the you. call, Betty. Thanks very much, Neil. Sad to hear of the passing of your dad uh, only three weeks ago. Uh, back to the phone lines we go. Dan, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Okay. You, uh, couldn't, you couldn't let the opportunity pass <laughs> no, when I you heard someone thanking Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael for the successes no. of the Irish Republic, is it? Yeah, of course I couldn't. Look at, look, the hands back of the phones, the banking inquiry, everything, all these vulture funds. We, I, on the paper yesterday morning, some of the people that are, have accounts that are unlimited companies that are renting out buildings to the government to put all people into them, right? Some of them people have accounts in the Isle of Man and mm. Georgia and places like that mm. and they don't have to account for anything and who uh, uh, you and I are not in power and who's in power Fianna Fáil of Angel and, yeah, and who, what politicians no, but I mean, you said we, we need we need we do need we, politicians we need uh, a legislature to put structure on things but I wouldn't we exclusively need, give need. them the credit for getting everything right or wrong for that matter mm-hmm. Knees, look, they have been in power since foundation of the state, and everything, the amount of stuff we hear every day, it's it's worse is getting, and like there was nobody jail for for the Ansbacker accounts, and and what about the tracker mortgages? Just the tracker mortgages, mm. people wouldn't laugh way over those things. And well, I wouldn't. Happened? I wouldn't think you'd be. I don't think you'd be given any kind of thumbs up or a star in the copybook for the health state of health in this country, would you? Of course, of course, you wouldn't. Yeah. Like, yeah. And 
Yeah. Or you hear people going going into the the name places, and just me, I don't know. Or the, sta- or the state, or the state, as we heard this morning, trying to get a rural GP, and even if you have one, you have to wait That's two right. weeks before you can get in to see the doctor. Oh no, I mean, fair enough. I don't know if James had to hear that. James, um, you're getting. Uh, a, a, a slap with the bottom there saying no, 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 not the politicians. No, no, no. Well, sir, to, to, be, to be, I'd be very disappointed if there was no reaction, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I tell you what, we might, we might, wipe the smile, might wipe the smile off your face the next general election please, of Sinn Féin. Get in, James. Please, Neil, let me finish, please. Sorry. Okay. Uh, we're oh, talking sure. about we're talking about building uh, another hospital down in South Court. We're talking about that for, for the last 20 years. Yeah, we're talking about the children's hospital in Crumlin as well. Yeah, so don't, don't mention that. Don't mention yeah. that to me. And come here, they could have they could have built that and another site in Dublin. I I read one time, and we spent millions on this site and refused planning permission on another site in Dublin. Okay, all right. Appreciate that. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, as always, to uh, Dan and also to James. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. People looking for proof of the afterlife. Um, do keep those texts coming. Text 0868-104-106. Pick up the phone on 0818-104-106. A lot of texts on different topics from this morning. Uh, I know of a school west of the city that had a knife issue where a student was carrying multiple knives. This is back to the topic of... Um, Back to the topic of bullying. The school was unaware of the fact for months. The same school has a serious bullying issue with boys making very serious inappropriate uh, inappropriate comments to girls, pushing girls, generally bullying. There are a number of students that are, let us just say, out of school uh, due to the seriousness of the bullying. And the effects are that bad. They can't go in. There are lifelong effects that they now have at just the age of 13 or 14. I've witnessed the principal checking young lads for horseplay or running or simply having fun. Yet there's nothing being done about bullying that leads to serious issues for the victim and their life ahead. The kids I'm speaking about are 13, perhaps 14, and are in the principal's care. Yet they're suffering beyond belief. Rather than targeting the easy targets of a young lad running around horseplaying, the teachers must open their civil servant blinded eyes and act fast to the real problem. Our children are in their care. It's too late when a child is found in their room or a river where the teacher's work would be arranging mass moments of silence. It'll be on the news saying what great kids they were. That's nonsense. Kids need help and they need it now. The Department of Education needs to be engaging with parents, writing to parents, bypassing the school and asking if all is okay in their schools. I can tell you that a whole new news story will arise if this happened because principals and teachers just hide what's going on and the department must now step in. So that's a quite lengthy text, actually, and began by honing in on a school in the west of the city that has a knife issue and a serious bullying issue. Keep those coming, text 0868104106. Can I just mention um, briefly, uh, I saw an article in the paper this morning uh, that uh, from Huey Maugham, who's coming up to his 30th birthday soon, uh, and he was quoted in The Sun as saying... Um, no matter what I've been on, Big Brother, Dancing with the Stars, First Dates, Ireland, Late Late Show, television all over the world, MTV, uh, I still can't get anywhere to book my 30th. He goes on in the article to also talk about the fact that it is heartbreaking for him, and I suppose he's talking on behalf of other travellers, where he's outside the door watching others go into the club, watching everybody going in, but he can't. He doesn't kick off and he doesn't make a fuss out of it. But the reason is, of course, is because of his traveller background. And it's very interesting because I was only chatting this morning with the lads about a case 
above in Dublin where a traveller woman sued and took a case of discrimination against J.D. Weatherspoons in the Dunleary pub. Uh, and, and she did get money, but I don't think it's about the money. She got six and a half grand compensation and will have to get an apology from the boss of J.D. Weatherspoons. I don't know whether Huey is aware of that case. There are so many of them, but it's just a typical example. Huey, good morning. Hi, good morning. So, so more and more people are taking cases, and this woman of a traveller background certainly did that. Um, do, do you ever do you ever decide to take a dr- discrimination case? Like, for instance, if you were turned down for your thirtieth in a particular location, would you ask why? Yeah, I mean, on my twenty-first birthday party in two thousand and fifteen, I had booked a venue for. Um, almost a year beforehand and only over the week before to this particular establishment in Blanchardstown in Dublin um, and to, to pay the final part of the payment and by then they'd asked me just for a couple of documents you know like your passport and like your address you know, fill everything out and I filled everything out and then I got a phone call a few hours later to say they were very sorry but the party couldn't go ahead because um, they double booked the venue and then a young I went through about it and one of the girls who worked there worked on reception and she actually went ahead when I was in my court case and actually on my side she went to record and said that when I left they googled my address and seen it was a traveling halting site yeah. and come up devised this plan that was to have an annual booking in the venue that you do every year for a not party. true so I said yeah. how would you not know that if it's an annual not you true did you, win, did you win that case yeah I won I won the case yeah but here you are coming up to your 30th and nothing's changed no, nothing has changed. But the thing is, like, how I know for sure it is the fact that I come from the traveling community. Yes, for one, it's always after you give details on where you live and your surname and all those types of things. And if, for example, I went out to a nightclub or to a bar, even in my local area, with non-traveller friends, there's never an issue. But when I walk up to the door with traveller family members... Um, they immediately say, look, we don't know you at all. Look, Hugh, you can come in. We know you, but we can't let the rest of them in. Which, and it's every single time. It's not mm. a once-off. It's every single time. Mm-hmm. And people might ask, well, how did you know it's like this? Well, for one, if it's in a local area, well, people knows who each other is. And two, um, travellers have their own dialect and their own accent that's completely different to yeah. that yeah. of other people in Dublin, especially. And a third reason is do we do have still have a different culture, how people dress and act and stuff is still quite different in some ways, in some regards. But it doesn't go to say everybody does negative things. No, but the elephant in the room here is that some it, that some do, and I accept that members of the settled community do as well, but people yeah. will be listening yeah. to this and they say, well, we've seen the videos of what happens uh, at a function yeah. when, when certain members of the travelling community kick off. For sure, for sure, 100%. But the problem is, is that I always ask people, if, it's, if that's the case, why, when a traveller commits a crime and they get sentenced in court, do they not charge every traveller in the country? Well, a simple True. logical explanation yeah. is, yeah. well, it's not everyone else's fault, so why then in society do we get charged the same? I understand those people who do wrong, but can you try looking at it on the other side of the coin? Can you imagine being in the position of somebody who hasn't done anything to anyone, but you get that 
tarnished as well. Like, we look at the history of Ireland with England and the UK and Catholics and Protestants and Purdue. Like, look back at them times. Was yeah, it acceptable yeah. for a regular Irish person to get beaten up if they were in a certain part of Northern Ireland? But I suppose I you're looking at clubs no. and pubs who aren't willing, I suppose, just to take the risk, is it? Yeah, well, I've, everywhere I ever approached is always like some sort of. Um, diabolical excuse like even on local sports clubs you also you have to be a member when I apply to be a member um, no one wants to help me but yet though my own friends that are non-travellers genuinely can go to these venues to parties can book uh, 40s, 30s whatever all of my statuses when I ask for advice they tag absolutely everywhere and I always say to them all but I've been told I need to be a member there they always respond back oh well, I didn't when I had my baby shower or my christian or whatever no, I must be wearisome though, is it? That must just like wreck your head. Yeah, it is. It is. It's very annoying and very irritating. And it sounds like I'm victimising myself. And I'm far from it. I've been so fortunate in life with all of the things I got to do. Not everyone's racist towards travellers. There's travellers in this country who do the most disgusting of things. But it's just that tarnish that is a very, very irritating thing that you feel the need to change your surname on applications for jobs or. Or your address. Venues, your address. Like, there's already the Ballymun target. I'm from Ballymun. There's already that been looked at as bad because of such high percentages of crime. I know, and again, I don't mean to generalise, but people see the feuds then and the call-outs on social media and unfortunately the use of... It doesn't help. None of it helps the image. Those those social media fights and feuds, I think, are absolutely disgusting. And I'm not a type of person at all. Like, of course, if I believe in something, I'll stand up for what I believe in, but I don't understand why a man of nearly 30 would be on Facebook arguing or fighting with people don't understand that culture at all yeah. that happens kind of within the travelling community as a sort of subculture because it's not what everybody does. Well, this woman, fair play to you for saying, but this woman actually who um, took on the 40-foot, Margaret O'Leary, she did. She came across from a function across the road actually that was being headed up by um, Mary Hannafin, the former education minister. They all went into the pub. She got in and everything was fine until she went up to the bar to buy everybody a drink. And it was at that stage and she'd had one drink that she was told that she was drunk and they wouldn't serve her. So she yeah, there's always every excuse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she took on a discrimination case against them, and uh, and she won. And it's a brave thing to do. Oh, 100 percent. Because the first thing you will get asked is to try and carry you down is, oh, well, how did how did they know that you're a traveller? Because technically, we're all white people in Ireland, or like in general. So therefore, like you could say, well, how could you distinguish between what ethnicity you are? Do, well, they, you they, they say you're drunk, drunk, isn't it? They say you're drunk, or they say if it's a sports club or a venue or something, you have to be a member. In my local ones for the football clubs, nobody had the function rooms or whatever. Um, they, um, there's often been friends of mine that had parties in them and I've been refused at the door by bouncers whose sons and daughters I went to school with they know me since I'm a kid and I'd ask them why are you not letting me in well you have to be a member to come in here and I'm like no. I'm coming to a booked function yeah. and my friends who are here aren't, aren't members like listen I don't want to argue or whatever you might, you must have a drink or something on you and I'll just walk away then because I'll just go away with my dignity I'm not going to argue all day long about it but it's just at a stage now where it's mm. very annoying 
And I'm glad that the son picked up on my status actually on Facebook and more about it on his birthday. Listen, absolutely, because it is difficult and it's wrong and it's upsetting to be left out. I wish it more time, Huey. I hope things work out for you. Do stay in touch and thanks for taking the call. Appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. Thanks for having me. All the best, Huey Mon. Text 0868104106. Email neil at uh, redfm.ie. We're out of time, guys. Enjoy the rest of the day. Mind yourself. I'll see you tomorrow. When court talks, car people blow my mind. They talk to Neil Prendeville on Red FM.